Jam-packed to the rafters, let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being back with us here. It is episode 237, and we're closing out August here, Monday, August 30th, 2021. We're here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling, as always. And I'm Joe Murata, joined by Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy, diddy. Can you believe September's almost here? It's it's here, baby. What's going on? Almost. It's almost kind Labor of. Day. Yeah, well. I just turned 36 yesterday, for crying out it's loud. It's crazy, right? Cats and dogs getting along. What's We're going on? Old, We're all getting uh, old. We're all getting old. The gray hairs are just appearing. You know? Oh, my beard is getting gray. Yeah. Folks, thank you guys for uh, listening to us talk about the old, the old wrestling, that is. We have some great topics in store for you. But, Quinn, before we get to any of that, we have the housekeeping to do. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Can you, can sweep you get up the little, broom? Please? Yeah, let's Thank get the you. broom out of the closet here. And a remind you of a few administrative things. Uh, number one, first and foremost, you can follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Now, we used to have clips all the time. That's nostalgic. Now. Yes. Now, there are sometimes minor clips, but don't get too excited, okay? Gifts. That's motion. There's gifts. That's some motion. One way or another, if you follow us on Twitter, it's kind of a drama-free zone Daily posts, like a dozen or so, of retro wrestling stuff. It's very nice. It's very nice. Okay, and that's on Twitter, at OVP Podcast. Also, if you have the uh, inkling to send us an email, you can do that. We do have an email address. We do. We do. It's you, called, you don't use ink on it, though. No, it's digital. No, it's digital ink. Yeah. And it's OVPpodcast at gmail.com. That is OVPpodcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, there's actually a place where people can talk to you and me and over 1,200 other retro wrestling fanatics. Where is that? Over at Facebook.com slash No Ink. Digital uh, site. A digital website. It works on the internet. Yeah. It's got a search one. bar where, oh. again, you don't use ink in it. You okay. type our vantage point, death, retro wrestling podcast, bing, bang, boom, tubes, core, kafloey. You hit the join group you're in. When you join, there's one rule to agree to, and it's don't be what? A dunderhead. Don't be a dunderhead. Don't do it. Okay, so basically, folks, what we're asking you to do when you join this group, it's a fun group. We really try to have fun talking about old wrestling. Yeah. You can sprinkle in a little bit of pop culture, you know, like retro pop culture, a tiny bit of current stuff. Right. But we talk about the important things, like Tito Santana versus uh, Ricky Steamboat. Or things like that. Tito Santana's boots. Yeah. <laughs> like, or Danny Davis's khakis. Yes, exactly. All we're asking you to do, you disagree all you want to, you can debate, have friendly discussion. Don't be an asshole. Don't do it. <laughs> Just don't, we don't, don't want... do that in digital or ink, see? Yeah, neither. Don't write we... postcards to each other yeah, either. Hey, that are mean. we don't do that <laughs> don't on there. Like that. No ink-based uh, insults. <laughs> no ink-based insults. No disappearing ink. None of that stuff, yeah. okay? But for real, uh, if you want to have fun talking about retro wrestling with a lot of other people, just go to our Facebook group. It is a fun time. And uh, later on, we'll have some more info. But just a quick reminder, if you like what we do here on OVP and you want more of it, we do have more of it. We have two completely different shows that we do. One is where we go through every WWF Championship Wrestling in order. Right now, we're in 1984, February of 84. And the pay-per-view reviews, Quinn. The pay-per-view reviews. The pay-per-view reviews. Yeah. You know what's coming up very soon. Your favorite. The Survivor Series next week, folks. Uh, That's right. 
We have everything from the first WrestleMania, and by next week, Survivor Series 93 will be there. Why are you hyping that? <laughs> I have to. <laughs> no, uh, and you can listen to us talk about it. You can listen to Quinn hate it. That's over on Patreon, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. That's if you want to donate. We make it really affordable to give you guys extra content. It's just either 2 or $5 a month. That's it. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Quinn? Yes. That's all the particulars. That's all of it. That's it. It's done. done. Put the okay, broom we, back we, in the closet. We can go into the segment <laughs> yes. portion of the podcast. Yes, now. this is the segment portion. The segment portion. The segment. And okay. this this segment we've been doing all season long, folks, is where we have been talking about more of the under the radar awesome people or things in wrestling. You know, you have your Mount Rushmores, obviously. Got lots of those. Lots of those on people, the interweb. On the interweb with no ink. Uh, yeah. People put like Ric Flair on that, maybe, or Hulk Hogan. They do. Sometimes Stone Cold or The Rock. Yeah. They only have four to fit. I mean, they can't. Yeah, some, they're not that big of a mountain. Yeah. You know what I'm saying there. Shut up. Anyway, but what we've been doing, we've been talking about guys like Barry Darso. We've talked about Brother and Love. Hell, we talked about Jimmy Hart and his songwriting partner, J.J. McGuire, this season. Mm-hmm. We even talked about Dick Ebersole not that long ago. Well. Yes. These are the people, places, or things that contributed yeah. to our enjoyment of retro wrestling. The unheralded people. The under-the-radar people. These are the unsung heroes of wrestling. Michael, this was a joint committee decision, you and I, to talk about this person today. It was very joint. There was a lot of joints yeah. going on. Not that kind of joint so, now. Hey, it's legal in some states, but <laughs> let's not all yet. No judgments, obviously. Yeah. So anyway, the person we're talking about was notable, no doubt. But I feel like this person, Quinn, doesn't normally get brought up in conversations about great managers or personalities in wrestling. Mm-hmm. But there's a little bit of meat on this bone. We're talking about Paul Bearer. Oh, yes. So obviously people know Paul Bear. It's not like this is some undiscovered manager. I mean, yeah, shit. No. I mean, he very very known. Yeah. Only managed one of the greatest of all time. Right. Considered and by some. Considered by some. And he was on uh, WWF programming straight from like 91 until I want to say about 2000, uninterrupted, and then came back uh, obviously several times until his untimely passing in 2013. But Paul Bear, William Moody... Uh, is also known to people that are fans of like world class as Percy Pringle. Yes, and we're not here to talk about Pringle as much, but I do. Any, I will say this, Quinn. I don't know what, what you've seen. Anything I've seen of him as Percy in world class, he's great. He's a great heel yeah, manager. I mean, he's pretty good. Yes, Mr. Soley. One of the biggest questions that I'm asked is, how do my men train? Just what do my men do to prepare for their battles in the ring? And usually, I like to keep this kind of quiet. You know, I feel that you know you're invading in our private life. It's none of your business at what we do outside the ring. Part of me feels he's very like Humperdinck, though, <laughs> in size or shape, in or just theme. I, I, he just seems like that kind of manager, even in the other spots. I think he's a better promo than Humperdinck, though. Oh yeah, I mean Humperdinck <laughs> is bad. Didn't he? Man, he managed a Rick Rude down there as one yeah. of his main guys, and he, he did actually manage the Undertaker in the Undertaker's first World Class match. Mark, funny. Yeah, Mark, I think he was mean tec- Mark, or was he Texas Red? I think, I mean, but Booger. Not not Booger. <laughs> not yet. No, no. Razor Brody here at the Sportatorium against Texas Red as Percy Pringle returns to the ring right after his little altercation. But obviously, the story of Paul Bearer in the World Wrestling Federation is that he really was a funeral director. Right. He actually had a real background. Yes. I'm sure that's what they were looking for. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah. Just have a calling. Of, of all the managers they had to select from <laughs> right. in all of the business, which wasn't many. No, it wasn't. And The Undertaker had debuted in November. We know that. And Brother Love was his first manager. And Brother Love was a good fit, in my opinion, because the all-white suit, 
and the insincerity. I you like know? it a lot, actually. I think it fits. But here's the problem to me. It's not just the like backstage aspects of Bruce, whatever. But actually, Pritchard. I think, yeah, Bruce Pritchard um, <laughs> and, you know, having to choose, you know, that whole story yeah, the or whatever. Road or the office. Yeah, yeah. But also, I think that that is a little too meta. And especially over the years of The Undertaker, it probably would have gone over a lot of newer fans' head when you got this, like, preacher guy hanging out with this... The, the, with the mortuary guy or whatever. Right. I think it would, after a while, people would be like, what the... F I don't understand. Yeah. Right? Because they wouldn't... They would start to lose the aspect of Brother Love where he is an insincere asshole because that wouldn't have been as prominent anymore. Right. So, I think especially as the WWF later 90s took off more mainstream and, again, it needed something over the head like Paul Bear. Like, here's a just... He's a funeral director. That, There's an undertaker, you know. That is over the head. So Bill Moody's looking for a job, right? In late yeah. 90, Vince brings him in. They're like, what do you do? He's like, well, I'm a funeral director. They're like, are you fucking kidding me? This is perfect, yeah. <laughs> You're going to be the manager of the undertaker. Now, Brother Bearer, what is your first name? Paul. Oh. Paul Bearer. So let's talk about Paul Bearer, Quinn. You said it over the head, right? This it Paul Bearer, and I never really appreciated it until more recently. The way he plays this character is so stupid in a in the best way. The first of all, the name, yeah, Paul, Paul Bearer, Bearer, right? right. He's well, a Paul Undertaker, Bearer. yeah, I mean, he's a Paul Bearer, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. But also the stupid makeup with the eyebrows and the mustache. Yeah, he looks like he's from Adam's family. But just the whole style of his promise was oh. Uh, it's supposed to be like creepy, right? Yeah, but it's so cheesy and it, I love it. Here's the thing though it is cheesy, but for children, it is creepy. It is. It works both ways, if you ask me. I think it does. And I think some of the nuance that we're not going to run through the whole run of Paul Bear, but I think some of the things that I more recently picked up on was all the stuff that William Moody would do just for either his own amusement. Or for the boys' amusement, the way he would make facial expressions while something else was going on, right? It's like, true. like when the Undertaker was wrestling, Paul Bearer would make the weirdest, funniest faces, right? Mm -hmm. Or he'd hold the urn up, kind of subtly sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the thing, though, that I've noticed more and more, when the Undertaker sits up, it's actually actually in line with the urn yes. thing, and I never really thought about it. It's and never like, shown. It's not shown as much, but I I, I look for it more now, yeah. right? And it actually like. He makes this urn its own character. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this this thing, it's like, no, it really does power him. Right. Like that's like, it, when he gets up, that's when Paul Bear's raising the urn. Yeah, the you power know? of the urn. The power of the urn. It's real. And one of the other touches too, and I think Gorilla and Bobby uh, mentioned this at maybe WrestleMania 7 or something, is when the Undertaker is in control, Paul Bear holds the urn far away from him. Right. But when the Undertaker's in trouble, he holds it really close and right. hugs the like urn. He's consoling it. You know this? And it's also another sign, because this is a thing that I noticed with some managers, is they're not really fucking paying attention. P Paul Bear is always. always, like, very... He's looking on on what's what the hell's happening in that ring. Yep. And whether he's a heel or a face, he's always very animated on the outside. He's very involved on the outside. Another one that just... A funny random one about him. And again, this is kind of the under the radar stuff I'm talking about. 
I forget if it was Giant Gonzalez or there was somebody that was trying to steal the urn from him on one of the pay-per-views recently that we did, and he tries to hide it in his coat. Well, <laughs> you got to make sure. You, the, the urn is the Undertaker's full power right. in, in an urn. Without it, it, there's problems. Without it, he's got to just use, like, he's like the dust version from Mortal Kombat. It's just, like, minor. <laughs> no blood code? <laughs> yeah, no blood code. He's not as good. Right. So, Paul Bear, as a face, I mean, he didn't have any memorable promos, really. But I'm really talking about the subtleties and the nuances of this very over-the-top character. That's a juxtaposition for you. I will say, Quinn, one thing about Paul Bear that I really do believe is underrated, and you know how I don't like to throw that term around, right? Is his '97 heel work it's on the very, mic? It's very good because I, first of all, I love the idea of Paul Bear like transforming himself. Yes. Weirdly, he transformed himself before the Undertaker did. Yeah, you he know? pretty much did, right? Kind of like reinvented himself as this fucking like grumpy like pissed off that he was like left in the background thing maniacal maniacal because i'm sick and tired of being sick and tired i felt like the maniacalness like when he first turned heel he was just angry With but mankind, then it was like yeah. a weird like moby dick situation where it was like willing <laughs> to go. do whatever the fuck to take out the undertaker right and you know that's all lead up really it's all a long build to kane it's a great build to kane yeah I've seen a lot of things going on that shouldn't have been happening. This little red-headed punk, there was something funny about him. He had a look in his eyes. The look of the devil. He was a devil seed, if you know what I mean. That's one of the things I think Paul Bearer doesn't get the credit for. Maybe he does now, but historically is his role in building up the Kane character. Right, but I'm saying, like, even when Paul Bearer started getting, like, you know, at first he tried, like, Mankind, then he got, yeah. like, Vader. <laughs> that was amazing, by the way, when he managed Vader. Vader. It's good. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, like, it's all just, like, it's all a slow escalation to Kane. To Kane, yeah. Yeah. Because remember, he gets his face burned. Right. And then that's when he comes back without the makeup. Mm-hmm. and his regular brown hair. And suddenly he's not really talking like Paul Bearer anymore. He's Like I said, he's talking like an angry, yeah. very angry man. Someone burned down the funeral home. Inside the funeral home was this lovely family that took care of me. I looked over to the bushes. Who did I see in the bushes but the Undertaker? And as the weeks go on with this, because this starts on like the spring of 97. It's so long. Right? Yeah. And finally, the big reveal, Kane is alive! And the Undertaker gets like scared. Right. Because, (laughs) see, if Kane's alive, it means he might have powers too, you see. Right. So the Undertaker, he's going to meet somebody finally that's not a big doofy giant (laughs) or, you know, know, Kamala Kamala or or somebody. I I don't know. No, I know what you mean. The only person that ever gave him a challenge was Mankind, but he still was able to like hold the line right yeah mankind was only able to give him a challenge because he was just crazy yeah but he wasn't like more powerful or anything yeah, exactly he just endured it, it was just attrition taker had to just do more <laughs> yeah he had to try harder <laughs> a little extra effort uh so when kane comes in the, the t- pairing of paul bear and kane is such a good like evil version of the paul bear undertaker duo right you know what i mean and it's like paul bear now has all this control over kane they burn the undertaker's castle they do a lot of stuff and again, we're not recapping all of Paul Bearer's career, 
but I love that 97-98 run a real lot. It's very, very good. I think it really helped get Kane over. Not that, look, he would have gotten over anyway because of yeah. the look and everything, but it really helped the anticipation. Your brother Kane is coming! You, Undertaker, are going to burn in hell! The only downers I'll say about Paul Bear in general is like his wind down is rather poor becoming yeah. part of like the ministry of darkness <laughs> and shit. It's well, like he like, does officiate the dark wedding though with uh, Stephanie and oh Undertaker. God. Where to Stephanie? <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah, he eventually get but if, if you're wondering, he eventually gets back with the Undertaker. He does, yeah. And then Undertaker becomes Satan Taker and then he forms the Ministry of Darkness. It's great. And then they merge they you, merge you with the corporate You know what you, that's the point when Paul Paul Bear is pointless is like when they merge <laughs> with like with the Ministry of Darkness, it's like he kind of still had pulls like you, you kind of could speculate in your headcanon, right? You could be like, well, maybe Paul Bear is actually manipulating the whole Ministry right, of Darkness right. thing because we know from the past that he technically controls the Undertaker at all times, right? True. So it's like it's possible he's in control of the Ministry of Darkness. But when they merge with the corporation, then even when like Undertaker's just standing on the side right, yeah. in like his like robes or whatever, it's like what <laughs> Paul Bear's just like behind 16 people in the background. God, like Midian and Christian and you're just or whoever. Like, what is the even fucking point of <laughs> right. Paul Bear anymore? What are we doing here? And then it finally like the saddest part is when they like literally kill the character off in a oh, cement. In the cement. Yeah, it's oh. like it's th those are the two things where Paul Bear is like that's the only thing that kind of knocks him for me. The Lord of Darkness. Oh, bro. My favorite Paul Bearer moment is when he came back at WrestleMania 20. It was good. With The Undertaker, mm -hmm. like in the urban dead man version. Well, because it was to reintroduce that, okay, he's not a biker man anymore, no. all that shit. He's returning to his roots. Yeah, and so gotta have Paul Bearer, right? That, that was like a legitimately nice moment. It was good. When he came back yeah. in all seriousness. There he is! Paul Bearer! I can't believe my eyes! It is Paul Bearer! Paul Bearer also, as the manager of Vader, we, I know we touched on it briefly, but why was that so much better than Cornette and Vader for some reason? It just was, right? Because Cornette is a bad manager in WWF, specifically. Yeah, he's I, not good. I'd say up to like 94, he's better good. Better on commentary, he's honestly. He's a great, great commentator. I, I don't mind him on commentary. It's, it's when he's a manager. It's just the, like, I just never thought his promo style really fit in the World Federation. It was good when he was talking for Yoko. Yeah. Because you needed somebody, but, well, Fuji could hold his own, I Fuji's guess, in his great. own way. Don't, yeah. But this isn't about that. <laughs> no, it's yeah. not about that. But I, the reason I'm bringing it up is because the switch from Cornette to uh, Paul Bearer seemed to, like, reinvigorate Vader's WWF run. <sighs> you know what I feel like it did? It got the manager aspect out of the way with Vader because here's the thing is Paul Bear's kind of like a passive manager. It's kind of Generally. perfect for Vader. Yeah, because Vader can talk. Yeah. It's like Paul Bear just makes Vader seem more sinister. Right. Because it's like, what's this like fucking asshole behind him? Right. right. It's like, you know what I mean? But Vader's usually talking, you know? And I think it also coincided with Vader's awesome uh, final four match in February 97. Yeah. With Brett and uh, Undertaker and Austin. that. It's so good. Another great touch about the Paul Bearer character in 97 is once Undertaker won the world title, remember Paul Bearer starts just accompanying him to the ring, but Taker doesn't want him there. Oh, yeah. Because he's just trying to cash in because he's the champion. Well, you know, here's the thing. <laughs> That's good. I think it was mean of the Undertaker not to want Paul Bearer there because the, under the Paul Bearer, he manages his power. But he turned on him, Quinn. 
So you hit him with the ur. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> tough, he, tough love. Yeah. Well, the the thing is, Undertaker's an undead zombie. True. For, yeah. By, by my by my reckoning, is Paul Bear maybe resurrected him or something oh, using true. the power of the urn? He did so, come back with a bat suit or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> bat, bat suit. Remember he had the bat suit? Yeah. This is real. All yeah. of this stuff happened. And, and I don't know. I think Paul Bear, even if he's not with The Undertaker day to day, he has some claim, right? When he's he, the, has, he has a little stake in the game. Yeah, he always does because he's got that urn. It's got the urn. He did have the urn. I love that, though. I love the threat of, like, he's going to just leech off The Undertaker. And uh, unless uh, Undertaker lets him, he's going to reveal the big secret. And then he right. does reveal it. It's just that really, is really technically good, good the stuff. leverage. But I still say he, you know, he earned <laughs> it. So, oh, he it, earned it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, Paul Bearer overall in the WWF, he managed the Undertaker most notably and longest. But he also had that little run with Mankind, which was really good. That he, is like, yeah, to me, that's what made that's like the best like Paul Bear non-Undertaker thing. Is Mankind? Yeah. I think so, too. I think Vader was fun. And I think the Kane thing, obviously, although, again, I think. Once Kane debuted, he didn't need Paul Bearer, but it helped, yeah, you know? Yeah, I mean, Kane was so over. Yeah. And, like, there was, like, this also, it the urn aspect didn't matter, which is Paul Bearer's kind of bread and butter. With Kane, it's just, like, he's fucking on fire or something. True. He has firepower. He should have carried a gas can yeah. with him at all I times. Know. I guess the fire went into his blood, and then he <laughs> that's how he could manipulate it. I, I'm just... Fire blood. Fire blood. Fire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you've learned anything today, folks, Kane has fire blood. Yeah. No, it's true. It's it's That's how he got the power. That's exactly yeah. how. But in all seriousness, Paul Bear might not be the most important WWF manager. He might not be the most notable one. But he's in a lot of ways kind of like, oh, I don't know, Larry of the Three Stooges or something where... Maybe you don't need him there all the time, but if he if he isn't there, you notice, you know, when he does contribute, he's important. A wise guy, eh? How do you like that? He's he's part of the ambiance of yeah. the dead man, the whole thing, he and would, all, all the cast of characters who fight him. It really did add to the Undertaker's, you know, whole aura, his whole look, those first few formative years mm-hmm. especially. It really did help mankind, in my opinion, that right. run. It helped Vader. Yeah. It helped the whole it built Kane. Yeah. So, I mean, even just 91 to 97, 98, Paul Bearer was a damn good manager, but just never the most prominent. But I think that he's an unsung hero. Do you agree with that? I agree with it. I do. I, and I, from all accounts, William Moody, the guy, was a great guy, always laughing, always oh, having yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many pictures of Paul Bearer just hanging out backstage. He, <laughs> he seemed like he was friends with like everyone. With his short sleeve striped shirts yeah, and does, stuff. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> On the he, bus. It's like, I'm out of character. Yeah, it's like, like, I'm just hanging out. Just chilling with the boys, having yeah. beers with the Bone Street crew or whatever the fuck they yeah. did. Was Paul Bearer, <laughs> like, I, I don't know, and maybe other people know, maybe this is something you guys could write, but was he... Was he like universally loved between you know Click and Bone Street so. and every like no one had a problem with William Moody? I don't think so. I think he's yeah. one of those guys that everyone liked. He just yeah. he wanted to just have a good time. I saw him even hanging out with like Cornette and people yeah. who, in management. Like people just liked him. He just had fun of this job. You know, he did yeah. his on screen stuff. He played it up to, to eleven. You right. know what I mean? These guys to eleven. And then when he wasn't working, he just had fun. Mm-hmm. And he also had some um, backstage roles too. Sometimes he would help with uh, just he, anything, agent booking. He had so many, ex- so much experience. Yeah. So it's just it makes sense. So obviously left us way too soon. You know, eight years ago now. Yeah, crazy. Um, but I believe that he was due for a tribute here on OVP mm-hmm. because he was really good. He's this fun little part of the golden era. Well, the tail end of the golden era into the attitude era. Right. Good stuff. Hangs in. Hangs in. Paul Bearer, you are this week's Unsung Hero. And folks, let us know your favorite Paul Bearer, Percy Pringle stories. Whatever you got, you can do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, it's getting hairy. Very hair. It's getting dicey. It is the royal rankings of the best celebrities in wrestling. And that'll be coming up 
right after this. Undertaker! I hope Shawn Michaels destroys you at the Royal Rumble! I curse the ground that you walk on! I despise the very air that you breathe! your guts! It's because of you that I've lost my cane. And now, back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here. It's episode 237. It is Monday, August 30th, 2021. We're winding down to the summer, Quinn. But, Quinn, one thing that's still going is our Patreon. Yes. We do have that. Those all four seasons. It's That's right, with Frankie Valley. Yes. Thank you. We do this again, folks. It's not a get-rich thing. This isn't our full-time job or anything like that. All we do is if you guys want to support us, we give you extra content. Yes. It's very easy. You go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. You have a choice of two rewards tiers. The $2 tier, Quinn, is the 84 Canon, which has really been, for the people that are watching and listening to it, really been picking up. It's heating up. It's They're, heating up over the there. the wrestlers are coming in. The, the Hulk is there. Yeah, Hulk, it, 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 The Hulk. Piper's there. Orndorff is there. Mm-hmm. Slaughter just turned face it's over all, there. It's all new. It's Every, all, everything is nice and shiny, yeah. and it's not tainted yet. And, no, and it's fun. People are like, I don't like Hulk Hogan. Like, <laughs> it's like, he's brand new. And obviously, it's been going since 82. You can get all of those. It's $2 a month. This is a video show or an audio-only show. We make it available in both forms. And you're basically just sitting with us for an hour watching an episode of Championship Wrestling. One hour wrestling. That's all it is. It's a great thing. One hour wrestling. That's right. And that's $2. And then on the $5 tier, you'll get the 84 Canon, and you're also going to get the pay-per-view reviews. Now, these are like three, three and a half hours. Mm. We go in detail on the pay-per-views. These are the big boys. These these are meant to last you the month. Yeah, if you want them to. Some people listen right away, and they're already commenting on it by the time I post it, which is fine. Like (laughs) three-ish hours (laughs) after, they're like, I listen to the whole thing. We really do appreciate that. That is gratifying. We go through every pay-per-view. We started with the first WrestleMania. SummerSlam 93 is the latest, and Quinn's favorite is coming out next week. Survivor Series 93. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a full review. Give it a shot for a month, okay? If you don't like it, all you got to do is cancel. The thing is, we don't even have... You don't have to pay up front. Yeah. That's a secret for you, you okay? Get, you get charged at the, the uh, first of the end of the month. The first of every month, yes. Yeah. So if you want to give it a shot, just sign up. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. We do our best to really make it worth your while. If you have a couple of bucks and you can swing it, will we bring it? We bring it. Give it a shot. Thank you, guys. And if you don't want to donate, don't. It's fine. We're yeah. not upset. It's okay. You don't owe us anything. Right. Uh, so with that said, Quinn, we owe the fans another week in the Royal Rankings. We do. So what are this, folks, for any newcomers out there? Is before the season starts, we ask you, the fans, to give us a list of your top 10 of something and your bottom 10 of something. And then our chief statistician, Joe Merkel, takes all of those votes and he compiles them into two separate tanks. One is for the best, one for the worst. And we alternate each week, best and worst. We pull out two names at a time and we rank them. So by the end of this season, what you are going to have is the definitive certified ordained baptized non-GMO USDA certified organic and healthy best and worst celebrities in wrestling of all time. Quinn. 
Mm-hmm. There's six names on the board. There is six. Shall we run them down here? Let's do it. Number one, despite some protests from some people, is Bob Euchre. Robert Euchre. Robert P. Euchre. Now, yep. some people have said that the guy at number two should be number one, and that would be Mike Tyson. I don't agree. You strenuously don't agree with that. No. Bob Euchre's great. He's now, the best. Now, three, this might be a little egregious, and I'm what? talking about Regis. Regis? Why is he on? Why is he number three? Hey, on my list, he would have been number one. <laughs> I know. But he's beautiful. I don't know that he belongs above Dennis Rodman at number four, but he is, I, so. I think he does. You really do, huh? Okay. Because all the after stuff, like, it does, it's not just on the program. He's like, on his show, he brings the wrestlers on, too, <sighs> for like a long time, for like a decade. I've had all the guys. Now yeah. I'm a guest on their show. Yeah. Number five, Lawrence Taylor, respectable performance at WrestleMania 11. Mm-hmm. The main problem being that it was WrestleMania 11. Yep. <laughs> and number six, that's Pete Rose. There he is. So he's that's a chicken or whatever. He's a chicken, man. So those are the six on the board now. Quinn, when we talk about celebrities in wrestling, we're not just talking about who the most famous celebrity was, although that plays a part in this, right? Right, right. We're not just talking about what it did for ratings or what it did for the business, although that's part of the criteria. Mm-hmm. We're also talking about what they actually did on the screen, mm-hmm. how well they did what they were hired or promoted to do. Mm-hmm. So it's a combination? Yeah, there's plenty of things. It, it, it all adds up to a, a ranking. A ranking. Yeah. It's a cornucopia, if you will. Yeah. A potpourri. Yeah. It's all, something. All those things. It's all those things. But right now, we got to go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. from Hollywood. I have the brains. WrestleMania book. You know, I left tickets for Bill Buckner, but he couldn't bend over to pick them up. I'm here in this uh, appropriate acoustic environment. So when you go to a wrestling match, you go to cheer the good guy and boo the bad guy. I've had a Hulk. Hulkamania lives, you know, the Hulk himself. the Royal Rankings. Love Mongo. And Mongo is ready to wrestle every week, Quinn. Yeah, every, he's always ready. <laughs> I love that he's uh, at the last one that we hear in yeah. this intro. Folks, it is the Royal Rankings here, the uh, best celebrities in wrestling, like we mentioned. We have run down the six that are on the board. That means there's only four left in the tank, Quinn. Wow. It's, it is nitty and gritty. This is the time of the, I was, I was yeah. just listening back and I was thinking, hmm, there's some people on that that are not on this just yet. Oh, and that's I, I'm getting concerned. We're going to have to find out. And it is, I guess it is time. Is there anything else to do? We just need to bring the next one out? Yeah, let's, let's bring the specimen out there. Okay, let's bring the specimen out. Why don't the fans count us down so we can find out who drew number seven? Hey, man, we got to do it, man. I'm tired of these guys thinking wrestling is a joke. They were having their TV guy the other day, you know? They got to know, you don't play with you. You're the world's champion. Mr. T. Mr. T. Wow. Wow. I pity the fools that have to rank against him. <sighs> this is tough. This is a Mr. big boy. Mr. T is another big one. He is one of the more important ones for sure. Oh, yeah. In WWF's history. Yeah. Mr. T, folks, obviously is known by the name Mr. T. <laughs> what does the T stand for? It stands for T. Not he like changed. Tiberius or anything. Well, Thomas. His like. real original name, his legal name is Mr. T. Right. right now. His legal name was Lawrence Tarot or something like that. Oh, so it's a last name is the T part. Yeah, but now it's just T. Okay. There's no Mr. 
Bob T. No, he's not Bob T. Or Marvin T. Or Tim T. No. Just Mr. T. Mr. T became known to most people in the 80s on either two things. Rocky Three as Clubber Lang. Right. And or the A-Team where he was B.A. Baracus, I think his name another, was, right? Another show with one letter <laughs> yeah. as, as, acting as a, uh, a title. Yeah, the A-Team with yeah. Mr. T. That's the short version. So he had done a, a bunch of things in his life. He was an athlete, I think, in uh, high school. He looks like an athlete. Very like, well built You could guy. tell he's not a slouch. No, he's no slouch, way. right? And I believe he worked as a bouncer for a long time. I could see that. And then he became a bodyguard, including to some people, I want to say like Diana Ross. He yeah. was a, a part of is her entourage. How, is that how he got noticed? He probably worked bodyguarded for celebrities or something. It turned into that, right? I think LeVar Burton might have been one of the other guys oh, he worked Jordy. for. Yeah, Jordy, right? Yeah. Reading Rainbow also. Yeah. Uh, Michael Jackson, the Michael Jackson. The Michael Jackson. And even some boxers. He also, Quinn, was featured on television in Tough Man competitions. Probably on like USA Network or ESPN, right? <laughs> I think it was actually NBC, believe oh, it or not. with Dick Ebersol. With Dick Ebersol. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, he was noticed by somebody, and that somebody was Sylvester Stallone. Aha. Uh-huh. The purveyor of the Rocky series, right? The, the, the king of Rocky. The king of Rocky. Yeah. So Stallone cast him in Rocky Three as Clubber Lang, also featuring Hulk Hogan. Right. Fresh off the uh, WWF because Vince Sr. wouldn't let him do like, it. Don't do that. Don't, <laughs> He's like, don't, don't become don't fucking famous. Do this. We don't want this. Yeah. Hey. We don't want our company to get bigger. <laughs> no, they didn't, though. Well, that's like, why he sold it. Vince <laughs> Sr. was very traditionalist. Like, uh, nah, Vinny, I just work in the Northeast here, you know, yeah, with yeah. Arnie and all that toots. Yeah, yeah <laughs> gold dust connection or whatever. <laughs> gold no, you know, Goldust Trio. Whatever. The Goldust Connection. Yeah. With uh, Willie Gilsenberg and yeah. all these people. Yeah. And very old-timey cigar-chomping, you know, men that went out to dinner with their wives and they were fancy and shit. Right. You yeah. know what I mean. But Stallone was like, hey, why don't you be in my movie? That's the worst Sylvester Stallone impression ever. So T's in the movie is Clubber Lang, the main antagonist, the main villain of Rocky Three, And that is where the famous line about I pity the fool comes from. Right. No, I don't hate Balboa, but I pity the fool. He also is the rare guy in that in the Rocky series. He's one of the people who actually beat Rocky like, clean, like clean. Like <laughs> he knocked him out. He did. He just beat him clean. Even though like Mick was like hurt or whatever, it distracted Rocky, but still he D- did beat him. Don't worry about Mick. That's why he lost. Because <laughs> it, it, it's proven later that Rocky would have won if Mick wasn't hurt because he just kicks. Mm. He kicks no, Clubber Lang's ass at the end, like like easily. You're giving Rocky too much credit. He didn't no. try. He's like. I'm rich now, and everyone knows me. I don't have to do I anything. I say the victory was a fluke. No, it wasn't like, a fluke. The, the Lang, Clumber Lang victory Lang was. Lang was determined, and Rocky was, was a lazy he asshole. He was hungry, but the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back was Rocky. It, it was, remember, Mick gets, like, crushed in a, like, don't against, against the wall. <laughs> it's like, oh, ah, I'm yeah. old. Get a doctor! So get a doctor! Come on! He dies I from it. I know he uh, dies. Well, he has a heart attack, doesn't he? Like, causes it. That's it's not, not technically Clover Lang's fault. It's not it's his like, fault. There's like a brouhaha in the hallway or something. Well, anyway, more on the Our Vantage Point Retro Rocky podcast yeah. next week. But anyway, so his role is pretty prominent, right? He's the main mm-hmm. villain in Rocky 3. Villain, but whatever you want to call him, in Rocky 3. You're not why you can? Don't get a sucker no statue. Give him guts. I told you I wasn't going away. You got your shot. Now give me mine. Why don't you get the hell out of there? Shut up, old man. I ain't going nowhere. And the A-Team starts right around this time. Now, the A-Team is a show, by the way, which ran from 83 to 87. The A-Team was very popular for a few years. Yeah. 
This is before my time. Yeah. But I know it's not before the time of a lot of our listeners that are older than us. I feel like it's the tail end of that style of show that's like Charlie's Angels, the Dukes of Hazard, kind of. like that kind of like, you know, that short like action movie kind of like television show thing. And it's kind of campy. Yeah, it's, it's super campy. The plot sucks. It's just like a, a reason to watch plot. them use gadgets or like jump out of a plane or something. You're pretty much right, Quinn. Yeah. Slap me again and I'll break your arm. Now, those of you that know more about it, please fill us in on this. But from what I have seen of the A-Team and what I do know about it, it is pretty much what Quinn just said. It's in that vein of like just a lot of meaningless action. Yeah. And the plots are really just a means to an end. Right. They're, you know? me- they're means to what's the cool thing of the week we can do. Yeah. Right? What, the plot, real quick, for those of you that are completely unfamiliar with the show, is basically the A-Team, as they're called, were a group of people that were accused of doing wrongdoing in Vietnam. So they were under court martial, I believe. I'm kind of winging this, so if I'm getting it wrong, please let me know. I don't even know the plot, but let me guess. It's like they get caught, and the government's like, we'll give you a second chance, but you're on our leash. You go to jail or something if you don't like do our fucking bidding, and they send them to like jungles and all these things that they don't want to be known that they did. You're almost there. Like, the government the government is actually, they're still on the, on the hunt. The government is still on the hunt for okay. them. But in the meantime, they've escaped the... Uh, wherever they were, this prison they were in, and they have decided to become vigilantes. Oh, I see. So, so close. Close. You were close, I Quinn. like that I, I threw out the theory. <laughs> no, there you not, go. Not bad at all. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. And yeah, the A-Team was uh, was heavily criticized also by people that thought the violence was ridiculous. But the thing about the violence on the A-Team, it was very cartoony. No one ever really got hurt. I've only hurt. seen clips of yeah. the A-Team, and every clip is always just like, it just doesn't even seem, it seems pretty tame by today's standards. Yeah. There's barely ever blood, you yeah. know what I'm saying? It's just very doofy. Yeah. But it was very popular for a couple of years. So much so that it was actually the number four rated show in the 83-84 season. Well, you know, I can believe that because that kind of show, like I said, what I know of like Charlie's Angels, Dukes of Hazard, that vein of show yeah, was, action o- adventure. was always a very popular genre in the mid-70s. Through mid-80s, the 80s. Through the 80s, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the A-Team ended in early 87. And like I said, it was the number four rated show for the 83-84 television season. And the number six rated show, which is very good, by the way. That's to be in the top ten is well, really back then, good. That means you have millions of viewers. Oh yeah, because like TV, there's only like six channels or something. And that's right around the time that WrestleMania is being put together. Right, the eighty four eighty five television season. Right. So how does Mister T, one of the stars of the A Team, along with um George Papard, if, yeah. if you're curious, Papard. George Papard, wasn't and, he in Breakfast at he, Tiffany's? Yes, of course isn't he, he was. Like the boyfriend or whatever. Yeah, he's in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Exactly. I am not now, nor have I ever been Fred. Nor am I Benny Shacklett, whoever he may be. My name is Paul. Paul Varjak, and I love you. Vince McMahon's putting together WrestleMania, right? Starting in early 85, late 84, whenever they decided to put this together. We have the whole rock and wrestling connection going on, right? Mm -hmm. And that obviously started with Cyndi Lauper, Lou Albano, Roddy Piper, David Woof. Yeah, Woof. Don't forget David Woof, okay? It's the most important (laughs) aspect. We have the war to settle the score, the brawl to end it all. 
In the meantime, Piper and Orndorff hate Hulk Hogan, right? Right. They're like, fuck Hulk Hogan. Which, That's, which we're already seeing on the 84 canon. Like, right the fuck away. Like, yeah. the minute they walk like, in a yeah. company, they're like, fuck Hulk Hogan. Like, he's new. They're he, new, he, and so is he. They're both. They came in, like, the exact same time, and they're just, like, immediately like, fuck that guy. <laughs> right? They're, they're, like, annoyed that he, like, got to the title before them or before whatever. Before Porno Orndorff yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, it's real. So... That's still going on a year later in yeah. February of 85, Makes right? Makes sense. Yeah. So Piper and Orndorff, they, they hate Hogan. They have challenged him to a match, a tag match. So Hogan brings in as his partner for this first ever WrestleMania, Mr. T. We get the vitamins here. We gotta get the raisins. All right, get the raisins. That's good. That's good. Oh, T, there's a lot of good right. stuff in here, man. This is your place, huh? That's right. That's right. And again, this is, I only know this because I've looked into it and stuff, but if you're younger than we are, you might not realize the significance of that. Right. But Mr. T was a very popular and notable name at the time. Yeah, and I feel it makes sense with wrestling even more. It fits like a glove because Mr. T is a- an athletic-style celebrity. Look at him! Right. Like, But, I mean, he he's known for being in an action show. He's known yes. for being a boxer who fought Rocky. R- right. You know what I mean? Like, from an entertainment perspective, he's got an athletic sort of a sports entertainment background there you essentially go. i mean no really though yeah. and look at him he looks like he fits in with wrestling with the right. mohawk and the physique and it looks like the day he walks in that hey he could take paul wonderful right. and roddy piper in a fight he like, can hold his own yeah so they're all part of the build here right hogan and t are part of the build of the re- first wrestlemania and despite hogan choking out richard belzer other than that things go pretty well the on this pickup <laughs> <laughs> almost killing a comedian only hiccup He's all right. He's just sleeping. He's sleeping. Really, yes, I, was, I was asleep a hole. He'd be all right. But T is very prominent in the promo for this. And despite what other people might think of him, there's Hall's fame speech and him as a speaker or whatever, I really, when I see anything that he did on talk shows and things like that, where people are kind of like, oh, why are you doing the wrestling? You know, wrestling is stupid. You know, like, you know that, that vibe of questioning. You know, I hear that in the, those, those things, and I'm like, did they watch the A-Team? Yeah. Like, did they watch Rocky? Rocky yeah. Ro- I mean, Rocky is silly too, especially is. three. Three's pretty silly. Yeah, but T for his to his credit, Quinn always takes it seriously in these promos. He mm-hmm. refuses to be pushed around about wrestling. He refuses to be made fun of about it, and he puts it over as if it's real. Right, and I love that. Yeah. You know, he's like, this is a thing that people do, and it's hard, you know, and you can get hurt in there. And people come and they watch it, and it's a release for that. He just puts it over. They may have me for one reason, because I kick butt. I don't have no problem with being violent. That's my nature. So that's why, that's how I train for wrestling. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to happen on March 31st. When I was a kid watching a lot of old stuff, like I said, I didn't watch a lot of A-Team, but, yeah, you know, I, didn't, I, I, didn't I, like, I saw clips of it yeah. and stuff. And But I definitely saw Rocky Three a lot. Yeah, me and too. because of wrestling, and I'm not even making this up, I legitimately thought Mr. T was like, was he a boxer? Right. Like I, because I, there was no internet when I was watching yeah. this. It was like the mid nineties. Right. And so I was like, so Mr. T's definitely like a real. He's already been a boxer, he's right? A real, real athlete guy, yeah. right? That's so what I, I thought. that's what's so cool about him, like legitimizing wrestling, and it just goes to show, it's like he knows like how to make what he's doing seem legitimate. He knew that before he got into wrestling, yeah, because right? that was his business like yeah. it, to make him seem like he was like no i'm a real fucking tough guy i beat yeah. fucking rocky a fictional <laughs> character in a, in a show and he was a tough guy in probably a movie, yeah so we do the first wrestlemania 
And I think T does a fine job in the ring. I don't think he's amazing, but he's not supposed to be amazing, but he's what credible. What it is is he, he lights up the crowd when he yeah. comes in for the first time. He's People are star. like, oh, shit, Mr. T's going to fight and these guys are fucked. It's Mr. T. Yeah. Right, you know what I mean? And people hate Piper and Orndorff. Right. This is a great feud. Unbelievable. Mr. T is volunteering to take on Rowdy Roddy Piper. He wants a piece of There's, There's the tag. tag. I love it because it's it's a reaction from the crowd as if like, oh, they talk so much shit for all these months. They don't want to mess with the with Mr. T in the ring when right. he, you know he's got no sh- no rules or anything. He can just beat them up. Right? And Hulk Hogan's on yeah. his side. Yeah, so it goes pretty well. Now I know that backstage, a lot of the wrestlers, I think Piper's one of them, didn't like the fact that T was wrestling because he hadn't paid his dues and blah blah blah. And I'd get that. I guess if you're inside the business, that could be an attitude to take. My attitude would be: Is he making us more money? Yes. Then I'm fine with exactly. it. Exactly. I mean, in all seriousness, am I making more money because this guy's That's here? That's an attitude that was, I think, understandable from when they were first doing it, mm-hmm. but it quickly went away. I think even Piper got over that shit like later on as as time went on with celebrities. But I don't know that he ever liked T specifically T. Maybe he had a problem with. Yeah. But Piper didn't have a problem with celebrities after that that I know of. I don't believe so. I mean, he did the reverse and went on to do movies and then come back. Right, so exactly. I think he understood so, the. So maybe it was just kind of a growing pain situation. It's like new people coming in. I'm not sure about this. Right. I'm, I'm afraid for my spot. You it's know? possible. You know? Quite possible. So T does that run, but then he comes back for another run in 86. And this one, I'm going to be honest with you, it's not that good. Mm. It really isn't. This is the boxing angle. Yeah. I get why they did it, but he was a little less notable. The A-team was uh, sinking in the ratings. The last two seasons weren't very well regarded at I all. I mean, that's that's predictable, though. Yeah, the cycle had run its course. And right? it's not, yes, and it's not like WrestleMania 2 is known for relevancy when it comes to celebrities anyway. I gotta say, though, amazing that another WrestleMania 2 celebrity <laughs> on one or two of these, on each of these lists. Yeah. It's crazy. WrestleMania 2 is just the king of celebrities. It's tons, right? Yeah. So they do the boxing angle, and T first fights um, Bob Orton, you know, battling Bob or boxing Bob Orton, mm-hmm. the, you know, the ace of comedy, the funny the man. The ace of comedy, Bob Orvin. He's very funny. Funny man, yeah. It's hilarious. And I dare anybody, that you, Snooker, and that punk cousin of yours, the Tonga kid, just try to lay a hand on this man, daddy. Then we lead to the boxing match with Piper, and Piper's promos about T are, you know, very much a Roddy Piper promo. What you would expect about so Mr. T. Yeah. yeah. And but the the worked boxing match sucks ass. And you mm-hmm. know it, and a lot of people know it. It got voted as one of the worst WrestleMania main events when we did that yep. on the rankings it here. It stinks. It was I get why they did it as an attraction. And it just ends with a body slam. <laughs> it's so kind of funny shit. Well, how much of this can they take, Vince? This is vicious. A brutal fight, both men so arm weary. And uh, he comes back in eighty seven. As a babyface referee, like special enforcer to combat the heel referee of Danny Davis. Like he's in a feud right. with him, basically. It's post WrestleMania 3, which is interesting to me. Yeah, it's the, um, it's the summer of 87, and he comes in to kind of help out faces that are getting screwed over in matches, basically. And that's it. <laughs> it was just kind of like a short term thing. It was short. Thing. Yeah, yeah it, it didn't really lead to anything, and I don't know if it was supposed yeah. to or not. And now it is my privilege to introduce to you. The one and the only, Mr. T. Oh, surprise appearance. Mr. T. And then T's career kind of, you know, flatlined or stalled out a bit after the 80s. So by 1994, when Hulk Hogan has joined 
WCW. Right. And he's making his first appearance in a wrestling match for Bash at the Beach against Ric Flair. One of the people he brings along with him is Mr. T. There he is. Mr. T, he's back, baby. Now, but this time, though, I don't really know what Mr. T was doing of any He's kind of just like a hype man behind Hulk Hogan, <laughs> that's right? Really it's like, it, right? That's what I remember about yeah. it. It's just like, he's just there, and it's like, look, remember, it's like when WrestleMania 1 happened. That's like, what they're that's doing. All, it's WCW being WWF Jr. as they like to do. In the mid-90s? Yeah. yeah. Introducing Hurst. Wait. Hold up. Did he say Hurst? Introducing Hurst. Accompanied by his manager, Jimmy the Mouth from the South Heart. And here's a watch his back, providing security. The maniac mugger from the south side of Chicago. The infamous Mr. T. Hurst. One way or another, he does appear with Hogan at Bash of the Beach. And then again at Halloween Havoc. And then that's it. Right. For him in wrestling. Until he's inducted into the Hall of Fame, obviously. Which we know that. awesome. I don't care what anyone says. I love this speech. I don't care either. I had no problem with the speech. It was very long. I understand <laughs> that. But he really loved his fucking mom. And I don't have any problem with that. I don't have Make an issue with it. Make fun of it all you want. You know, but. you know, I also want to say something to people about having issues with long speeches at the Hall of Fame. That's what it is. Yeah, but like, sometimes those long speeches are bad. If they're bad, Bruno's it's yard. If and it's, I walked into Bruno's yard. Yes, it's bad in his it's, yard. It's one thing if they're bad, but Mr. T wasn't bad. No, he, I liked like, it. Like he was just like thanking his mom a lot, and he was kind of making a point that like, yeah, yeah. It's definitely a fine speech. I mean, it's no hillbilly gym. I think that one's still going on. Good <laughs> lord, did he ramble on? But anyway, folks, that's Mr. T in wrestling. The most important thing was obviously the build to the first WrestleMania. Yeah, it is significant, like Huge. in the history of wrestling. Huge. Yeah. So we'll have to see where it ranks, but it was a big deal. Diminishing returns after the first WrestleMania, I'd say. But that's to be expected. All right, that's it for Mr. T. Why don't we find out, Quinn, who drew number eight? You ready? Mm -hmm. Let's do it, fans. See, Mr. Lawler, you don't have any brains. I'm from Hollywood. I have the brains. That's how I win my matches. He's from Hollywood. Yes. Andy he, Kaufman. He's a bigger deal than all of this. Wow. Yeah. This is uh wow. This is one of the rare non WWF or WCW celebrities. This guy he didn't need it. This shit was a big fucking deal in like eighty two or whenever it happened. 82, right? 81, 82, yeah. Yeah. Andy Kaufman, who we have only talked about like one other time on the show when we reviewed uh, a Memphis that covered this period. Right. Andy Kaufman was, I guess, in theory, a comedian, but he really was more of a performance artist. Auteur, if you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Like, yeah. He was different. He wasn't your standard stand-up comedian that would come out and just tell jokes. Right. He would do things, for example, intentionally piss off crowds yes. out to make a hu like a humorous thing out of it. But it like sometimes this shit, nobody got it. There's one of the first things he did where he just came out and he played the Mighty Mouse theme. Yes. But he didn't sing... <laughs> He didn't even speak. It was just playing. He was standing there in a suit looking like a dork. Yep. And then when the when the verse would come, here I come to save the day, yep. he would mouth it. He wouldn't even sing it. Yes. And that's the whole bit. That was the bit. And that was as his foreign man And this would character. go on for like five fucking minutes. Yep. Like, and, and then he would just walk away. Yep. That was as foreign man, which was like, he would come out and be like, thank you very much and all yeah. that stuff. And then the other thing he did as foreign man is he would say, I'm going to do an Elvis impression. Actually, he would do other impressions first. And it'd be horrible. It'd just be like his same it voice. It'd just be the regular foreign man voice just saying, I'm president. Yeah. Whoever. <laughs> Hello, like, I'm Mr. Carter or whatever. Yeah. Archie Bunker. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. You're, you're meathead. Get out of my chair. 
And then he'd be like, now nah, I'm going to do Elvis. And then he would turn around. He would fuck with his hair and all that stuff. And he would do a very good Elvis impression. Right. Treat the milago food. Treat me mean and crude. But love me. Bring him off a youthful heart. Tear it all apart. And then when it was over, he'd be like, thank you very much. You yeah. know, that whole thing. So, yeah, it was it was this weird, like, strange humor that was... Cerebral. Cerebral and, like, kind of setting up for, like, a long joke. Sometimes there wouldn't even be, like, a punchline that's, like, traditional. Yeah. Like, it would just be, like, it was almost like Andy fucking with the audience. It was the... You were getting fucked with. Right. Like, that was the comedy. His goal was really to get a reaction out of people, not necessarily... Not necessarily laughter. Right. Just to get a reaction, to entertain them, but in a bizarre way. It's almost anti-humor. It could be right. categorized as. And he was like a pioneer at this. Nobody yes. was doing this. No! He, this was just like his thing. So this led to him getting cast on Taxi, which right. was a pretty popular, a very popular uh, sitcom in the late 70s and 83. I always considered that this is where Andy Cash is in on being on the stand-up circuit, probably making nothing. Yeah. like It's like whoever, CBS or whoever run this show, they want me to be on this. And yeah. I'm going to make money now. So he's on the show as uh, Latka Gravas, which is basically foreign man. It's basically foreign man on a TV show. Do you think that uh, helping someone who is almost killed in an automobile accident is a good excuse? No. Oh, then you're going to hate mine. But he also gets to play, what was it, Vic Ferrari or something? He has yeah. alter ego, so he gets to do other voices and things like if that. If you don't know what Taxi is either, it's like it's the same show that like fucking... Doc Brown is on and like yeah, Christopher Lloyd, Danny Chris, DeVito, Danny DeVito, <laughs> Judd uh, Hirsch, Mary Lou Henner, and Tony uh, Danza's on it. Yeah, Tony Danza. Like there's a lot of people that came out of Taxi. Yeah, no, it was pretty well regarded, right? Yeah. It's just about the people who work at the taxi thing and it's like the main set. It's just not, it's not it's even a taxi like, stand. it's like a taxi, like the headquarters yeah, or whatever. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah. It's a James L. Brooks show, you know, yeah. the same guy that did Mary Tyler Moore. Right. And it seems very do? Mary Tyler Moore. He's involved in The Simpsons, too. Yeah. Wasn't James L. Brooks? Yeah. Does, it, does it have the cat at the end? Mary Tyler Moore Productions. You know what I mean? Meow. You know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, James L. Brooks also did Lou Grant, in case yeah. you're wondering. Remember Lou Grant? Another Mary Tyler Moore <laughs> it is. special. Same over universe. Anyway, back to Andy Kaufman. So he's very popular on that show. And in the meantime, he also did a show called Friday. He, he appeared on SNL uh, several times. But he also uh, was on the show called Fridays, which was, I think, ABC's kind of answer to SNL. Yeah. But it wasn't good. Like right. Michael Richards was on it and people like that. So you cut it out. Cut out. Why do you have to push cut this in my face? Why do you have to push this in my face? I'll this put it all in my face. This is my big in the show. That's why. Why? So what do you have to Come on. Look, I'm just trying to have everybody so Everyone's so tight around here. I don't understand. Bobby, go to commercial, man. How does this relate to wrestling? Well, part of Kaufman's act, quote unquote, is that he had started proclaiming himself the intergender wrestling champion of the world. Yes. He, so, so Andy, who like so, what a dick. So, so this, so this, this, I love this. This is, is like intentional heel. Andy work. Kaufman, you know, one of his inspirations, I think he said, was wrestling. Yes. For this like 
liked this style of humor. He loved wrestling. He, he saw what they did, and he, he I think he said he admired that a lot of their talking was just fucking on the fly. It was yep. like he was like, they're the ultimate of what I'm trying to do. These guys fucking do it for a living live across the country. And I believe Buddy Rogers was one of his inspirations. Right, exactly. So he's like, this. He's like these guys are the real stars of this, right? And so he's like, I'm going to get involved. And Andy actually goes across the country doing this, like, yes. like a wrestler. Like he travels across the nation like a traveling wrestler, yes. like Carney style, yes. and does the fucking intergender thing. And, and he doesn't lose usually. Yeah. He usually wins. And I think some of this was legit. Yeah, I think he really was like wrestling, you know, grappling with some well, of these Andy women. Well, probably wanted it to be. It's like, <laughs> yeah. no, it, it, this is how it is. Like, this is I want to be like them. Like, right? It's like it's like you just take your licks and you go out there and you do this shit, it's and a- then you talk shit afterwards. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's like it's awesome. I'm not really a wrestler. Through the last couple of years, and I've been doing it in my concerts, I've learned a lot about it by just doing it. But I wanted to recapture the old days of the carnivals. So he calls up in 1981, Vince McMahon Sr. And much like Vince McMahon Sr. turning down Hogan doing Rocky Three, Vince McMahon Sr. turns down Andy Kaufman coming to town to do this act. business over here. Yeah, well, again, successful in his old element. Yes, not in the late 70s. No, no, early 80s. We've seen what late 70s, early 80s (laughs) WWF is. It's not very good. So Kaufman's very disappointed because he went to the biggest game in town, in his mind anyway. I know it, they probably weren't back then. AWA probably was. more was, just because that was his local yeah, New promotion. York. from yeah. Long Island. Yeah, exactly. You know? So to him, that, that is wrestling. That is right? wrestling. So he calls up a friend of his, and that friend happens to be Bill Apter. <laughs> of course it is. Who you might know from the Apter Mags. Don't call them the Apter Mags. Sorry. So, Bill Apter... And Andy Kaufman are hanging out at Bill Apter's stupid apartment in Queens or something Mm -hmm. like that. And Bill Apter is like, well, I'm friends with Jerry Lawler. So Bill Apter calls up Jerry Lawler, obviously, who has some real sway in the Memphis territory with Jerry Jarrett. Right. So he calls him up and he's like, Jerry, you're not going to believe who I have here, but I have Andy Kaufman here. He wants to wrestle. So Kaufman and Lawler get to talking. And they strike up a, a whole storyline, a whole angle here. So they 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 they're the architects from the beginning of yep. this. They they set up. It's like I'm going to do this. You're going to do that. Yep. And this is what we're going to do, right? And this is where Kaufman starts sending tapes into Memphis Television. Fucking rickety ass little Memphis, <laughs> which I love dearly. It's, you know what I mean? This is good Memphis. Too. Oh my this god, is like, this is good. This is this is early '80s Memphis where it's still it, it hasn't. They didn't clean it up yet. And they're not outdated. It's yeah, just of its time. It's just of its... It's great. And Lance Russell is there they're with still Dave doing a Brown. lot of experimental shit. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? Jimmy Hart is the yeah. lead manager there. Mm-hmm. It's good shit. Yeah. So they're willing to do this. Fuck it. It's a notable guy. He's on a television show. Right. He's on a sitcom. Of course we're going to bring him in. Yeah. Why the fuck not? This is big for Memphis. Yeah. It's huge for Memphis. So Coffin starts sending in the tapes, and we've seen some of them. I'm sure you guys have too. Just taunting Jerry Lawler taunting Memphis wrestling and taunting its fans. You know what, Mr. Lawler? I've heard all these things you've been saying about me on television. You want to wrestle me? You want to wrestle me, my Memphis style? All right, fine. I'm not afraid of you, Mr. Lawler, because let me tell you something. True, I only wrestle women, but I've wrestled women that are a lot bigger and stronger than you. Matter of fact, they're probably smarter than you because you don't have any brains. You're from Memphis, Tennessee. All you do is plow the fields and farm and the farm and the... Is that how you talk about Memphis, Tennessee, Mr. Lawler? Duh. 
the whole point, what I love about it, is Andy Kaufman just decided I'm going to be a heel. Yeah. Which is an extension of what he had been doing, pissing off his you know performance audience. Right, stuff. exactly. So this is just a natural, like... Thing. Right, and he, he plays it up like he's been doing it because he has been. <laughs> right, like you know what I mean. He knows exactly how to get everyone on everyone's fucking nerves. Yep. So he decides I'm going to wrestle the women in Memphis, and I believe he wrestles Foxy Brown, and he wins. But he's being a big asshole. So finally, Jerry Lawler comes out and is like, "What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, you want a real fucking yeah. fight? Like you want to you want to fight man to man here? I'll kick your ass!" Like so, so now the fans are like, "Holy shit! The yeah. king's gonna beat this guy's ass good, right?" So they have their match, April of '82. And this is the one where Kaufman, obviously looking like a big dork in his wrestling costume. Oh, yeah. You know the costume. Well, even the costume, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I swear that Andy Kaufman picked the costume. It's like a lampoon of wrestling costumes. It like, is. It's like it's wearing the shorts over the, like, what is that? Like, like long johns almost? Long, yeah, like long johns or something. <laughs> it's like camping gear. Yeah, but it's like, it's it's the it's the concept of you wearing the, the, the tights over the tights thing. And, it, right. and it's just, it puts the really boxer shorts. Like, I'm, that's what I mean. It's like, yeah. it's just like a comedic version of like what wrestling tights are and it's funny it's like if someone's dad is gonna dress up as a wrestler for halloween yes, at the last minute it's exactly you know? that yeah <laughs> oh honey we got a party to go to i know i'll be a wrestler you yeah know? exactly one of those things yeah so anyway lawler obviously kicks kaufman's ass quickly mm-hmm. pile drives him right which is like a band in memphis or it, it, yeah that move is king's finisher it yeah. kills people right yeah kaufman insists in real life on selling this as real getting a real ambulance out there he said mm-hmm. he would pay for it going to the real hospital mm-hmm. telling the real media that he really did get injured because you know again the media the wrestling's not real you Didn't know obviously get to the point and I, I swear this is like in the andy kaufman like comedy central documentary my, that i watched five thousand <laughs> times that i brought up on this show before yep. but isn't it real that like people were like legitimate other celebrities were like calling him up on the phone they're like Probably. is that shit fucking real and he was like yes I think he's like uh, he's like i'm i'm in the hospital you're calling me i'm in the hospital right, <laughs> right now yeah i think he kayfabe the whole yeah. thing for years right yeah him and king this leads to their very famous confrontation on the brand new david letterman you know a late night with david letterman uh, in july of 82 mm-hmm. and late night had just started in february yep so Letterman was booking the most off-the-wall shit. You know, he didn't it's care. Good, again, good experimental weird Letterman. Yeah, that's how Art Donovan got on there. Which, if you go back to the Jay Leno thing we did recently, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. It's all connected. Carson's still around, by the way, if you're trying to follow the timeline, you're in the oh, UK yeah. or something. Like, this is, we're still in the Carson era, not not the Jay Leno no, era. No, Carson's the king of late night here. Yeah. So we got Andy Kaufman in the neck brace still, like yep. three months really later. hamming it up. <laughs> yep. King with his like evil goatee that he had sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean mm-hmm. with the little goatee. Mm-hmm. That leads to their big confrontation where King slaps Kaufman out of the chair. I yeah. could have sued you. I could have sued you for everything you're worth. Well, and I didn't because that's, I'm not that kind of a guy. Yeah. You know what? Uh, what kind of a guy are you? <laughs> no. You're not that kind of guy. I'll just be over here. We're going to you know, pause here for station know, I, identification and get the hoses out here. Kaufman just goes off the hook, just swearing, comes back on with this hilarious rant, and I'm going to dump it in. You're a motherfucking asshole! As far as I'm concerned, you hear me? A fucking asshole! Fuck you! I will get you for this! To use those words on television, I apologize to all my I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But you, you're a fucking asshole! A fucking asshole! 
so good. And then the, the Kloppen Lawyer stuff does continue on a little bit in Memphis and, and the territories around Memphis, like Evansville and places I, like I that. I feel like, if anything, for Andy, the punchline to this joke was the Letterman appearance. Yeah. That was, that this was, was the, the climax. The, the, that was the climax is right. Andy flipping the fuck out, King slapping him, and nobody knows if it's real. Like, yep. everything just comes to a head. Absolutely, right? Quinn. Uh, it's, it's so good. It's really good. And then, obviously, within a year, Andy Kaufman is diagnosed with uh, lung cancer mm-hmm. by the end of 83 and sadly passed away at age 35. Yeah, which, if you also don't know, is when Andy's... This, this is, to me, always a testament to how good Andy was. When he got sick, he yeah. had, like, one or two people in his life who truly knew that it was real. Everyone thought it was the next character after the wrestling thing, yeah. a sick man or something. Yeah. Like, that was real. People thought when he died that he faked his own death. Yes, Some people from, still believe that. If you ever see anything Tony Clifton, that's, <laughs> like, what that is is people thinking Andy, Tony Clifton was another Andy side character. Yeah, but he, he didn't always play him. He didn't always play him, and people thought that what Andy was going to do after the sick thing was only be Tony Clifton yep. and you would never see Andy Kaufman again. This yep. was real. And yep. it, it really, it took many years for people to fully understand that Andy was actually dead. Yeah. And the big secret about him and Lawler kayfabing the whole thing wasn't revealed until like 1995. Right. They kept that secret, you know, and they kayfabed it for over a decade. Yeah. It's crazy. I should also mention that there is an interview of Andy Kaufman with Vince McMahon from 1979, where Kaufman made a brief WWF appearance, uh, kind of a precursor to getting involved in wrestling. So mm-hmm. you might have seen that out there. But Quinn, I think that's all we got on Andy Kaufman. I think the one that got involved first out of everyone we've talked about here, the first right. one out pioneer. of everyone on our list. Yeah. As Andy is a pioneer with everything. He was. Yeah. So it's ranking time. I'm going to run them down real quick. Bob Euchre, number one. Mike Tyson, two. Regis is three. And beautiful. Four, Dennis Rodman. Five, LT. Six, Pete Rose. Mm. So I think Mr. T is definitely better than Pete Rose. 100%. And more important. Yep. Better than Lawrence Taylor. Better than LT. Rodman might be the first one to at least talk about briefly here because they both were they both wrestled. Right. They're both notable names, like actually notable names when they started. Yeah. Whereas LT was fading a little. I think the thing... I think T's above, but the reason I think is because T's appearance is a bigger deal than Dennis Rodman's. Dennis Rodman comes in a line of celebrity appearances. Okay. T, like, paved the way a bit. Yeah. Not as much as Andy Kaufman, that's for sure, but, I mean... As far as way paving? No. (laughs) way paving, but, no, T, he was one of the first, like, active celebrities. Again, Andy Kaufman was first, but what I mean by that is, like, active, but, like... It got it was on a main stage. It was like super popular. Yeah, and I mean he was a really big name in right. 1985 when they got him. Yes, yes. Does um his performance factor in it? I mean he was as good or maybe better than Rodman in the ring, right? I don't know. It's yeah, I would it, say he was a little it's bit a better. Wash, right? Yeah, yeah. Th- doesn't matter. I, I would rank him a little bit better as far as celebrities wrestling go. Okay. Well, I hate to tell you this, but uh, Mr. T is more important and better than Regis in this case. It's a sad day, but But I'll I'll agree with you there. I I know you love your Regis, but, you know, this is Mr. T at the first WrestleMania, Mm -hmm. you know, more than anything. Tyson. This this might sound controversial. Go ahead. I think T and Tyson are super similar to me. But here's the thing is T's got the added he actually wrestled. He did. But, like, they're both that big tough man style, right? Like, this is a legitimate fucking tough man. Yeah, Tyson more so, though. Well, Tyson, yes, but... uh, Let's be honest. But the the persona of Mr. T was believable in 1984. 
that he was a legitimate tough guy. Like, again, you got to remember this is before the internet. People can, like, look up, oh, no, he's just, like, a big fake or whatever, right? It's but like, he wasn't necessarily a fake. Yeah, I mean, he, he was, was like a, a bouncer and he was a puppet. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't. I think Mr. T and Mike Tyson in a fight. I, I, oh, it, the, 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 Mike Tyson's winning that fight. He might. I'm no. talking a street fight, though. Like, I'm talking not, not in the ring. I'm, not a boxing match? Yeah, I, I think Mr. T could actually maybe perhaps handle himself. I'm not sure. I don't think so. Because he was Quinn. a bodyguard. He was a scrapper, you know? I don't think he... Yeah. But here's the thing, right? Mr. T was very relevant. Mm-hmm. Mike Tyson was only six months off of the bite fight when he came in, so True. he was very relevant. True. Mike Tyson helped reignite the WWF somewhat. Somewhat. Mm-hmm. Austin, mainly. Let's yeah. be honest. It was mainly Austin. Mike Tyson was a cherry on the top. More than anything, yeah. yeah. And I don't know what the buy rate or whatever the hype would have been around WrestleMania 14 without what, Tyson. What I think is the significance factor with Mr. T comes into play here because here's the thing. Yeah. A, a Hulk Hogan teaming up with, I don't know, somebody else versus Wonderful and Piper would have just been another night at MSG. Like Jimmy Snuka? For WrestleMania. Yeah, like if Jimmy Snuka took the place instead. That's, that's even more of a glorified house show than it already is in some people's minds, right? Yeah, even with Cindy on the on the card. With Richter, yeah. Yeah, but in the main event here, I think instead of being a cherry on top, Mr. T put it over the top. No, this is fucking WrestleMania. I don't disagree. I also think that what Mr. T did promo-wise is better than Tyson. You look at both matches, yeah. I agree. You look at both matches, though, Joe, mm-hmm. take both of them out of their respected matches and which doesn't work and which still works. It's a great point, Quinn. Yeah. I think I have to go with, with T then. You're yeah. right. Because even though Tyson was a cherry on top, that's a great way to put it. Tyson was a cherry on top. Austin was winning no matter who he beat yeah, and no matter who the referee Austin, was. Austin Sean for the title was what it was. It was it, what it was. That's it was, what I mean. it was like It was already that, and it was already a big deal because those were the... With Brett gone, those are the two top guys yeah. left. Yeah. Like, that was it, right? Yep. It was like, it's got to be Sean and Austin fighting, and we're going to settle who's going to be, like, the king of the attitude era, right? right? That's it. So the Tyson thing definitely helped, and it added yeah. intrigue, and it's very memorable, but you're right. If you take Tyson out, Austin isn't any less over. Yeah. The moments all still happen without Tyson. If you take T out, WrestleMania might not have been as successful as it Would was. It might have not been a, a situation for Mike Tyson yeah. to his thing okay and with that said gotta put him above euchre too i gotta put him above euchre yep there's no way not to euchre's still my favorite performer at a wrestlemania yeah (sighs) so good and he probably truthfully if we were really had our heads on straight tyson would be above euchre i'm sure but i still don't fully (laughs) agree with that i don't care good good don't i I still don't fully agree with that because bob euchre's contributions over two wrestlemanias well t also see that's the thing. It's like T can actually compete with that. Yeah, he helped with WrestleMania too. I, again, yeah. the execution of that boxing shit right. was terrible. But he, he can match Euchre in that sense. He did but, two WrestleManias yeah, also. Yeah, he, he did two WrestleManias also. Bob Euchre wasn't as big of a celebrity as Mr. T. I don't think so. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Mr. I, I T was like an idol to children and shit. 1985 like, yeah. T was very well known, I yeah. would imagine. He checks off all the boxes well enough that I think he deserves to be number one because it was important. It was groundbreaking. Again, for WWF, it was. Uh, he was a notable name. He helped promote the show very well. He was important to being in the main event. He didn't make the company look stupid. He really put over wrestling. Yeah, like we have in the interviews about, you know, or in the like segment before, you yeah. know, with the music or whatever. Yeah. Mr. T, that's him talking about. It's like, it's the good guy. Yeah. Like, Mr. T was like talking about wrestling like it was fucking legitimate. Right. 
And he was fine in the ring. It was like perfectly acceptable. Right. So he checks all the boxes like high enough, in my opinion, to be number one. Right. Okay. Number one for now, maybe. Andy's coming in. So. Yeah, because Andy's another big boy here, in my opinion. I agree with Not you. Not big in size, but big in entertainment and doing the thing that celebrity needs to do. So where do we start him? Because we can probably bypass Pete Rose. Pete Rose, Lawrence Taylor, Dennis Rodman. Okay. The only reason Regis, because it's, <laughs> it, it's, a com- it's like a comedian type, and I just want to like give like a, a baseline here. Right. Reg- okay. You know, that that's what he, Regis is just like the litmus test. That's all he is. Regis was he, very- He's definitely not going to, Regis is not going to be above Andy. No, but, he's not. But we have to compare it to another Fine. entertainer, right? Okay. Regis was very amiable, very yeah. jovial, <laughs> jovial, very happy. Yeah. Very professional. Regis by nature is second fiddle. Like that's like, I love Regis, but like his whole shtick is he's like Mr. Replacement. Like, yeah, you know is, what though. I mean? Like that, he that, is. That is, I love him. I know. But anyone, anyone that was professional could have done what he did at WrestleMania seven. Let's right. be honest. Exactly. Like, anyone could have done that. Yeah. He's just charming in his yeah, own yeah. way. But, but Andy he wasn't that also important. is like a cutting edge comedian. Regis is a fucking like lounge in Vegas. Yeah, like, a quipper. He's yeah. just a quipper. He's not yeah. even that funny. He yeah. just, he's a quip guy. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so better than Regis. Yeah. So Andy versus Tyson. See, the thing about Andy, it's harder to measure his influence only because he didn't do anything for the two or any of the top promotions. Right. But we also but, have to remember that back in those days the regional era, each of them had their eyes on each other. I find it very hard to believe that Vince McMahon Jr. over at WWF, maybe the Crockett's and some of the other promoters around the country weren't, didn't have their eyes fixed or weren't getting Memphis tapes sent to them. See how this Andy Kaufman thing almost to say, Hmm, how should we handle celebrities going forward? Let's that's, check out this Andy Kaufman thing, right? That's, I think, the biggest takeaway on this, right. Quinn. Like, I, I find it extremely hard to believe that they didn't see it. And I think the thing that probably hit home was when the Letterman appearance happened. I cannot imagine Vince Jr. or Crockett's looking at that and being like, we got to do something. That's that's going to be mainstream. That's what right? I'm thinking, too. You know what I mean? I think Vern probably was like, oh, who's this? Where's Brad Ryan's Vern's an idiot. <laughs> yeah. But, like, <laughs> but fucking the, the rest of them that wanted to make actual fucking money in yes. the 1980s, they saw that they saw that Letterman appearance and they're like, this is the ticket. Yeah. Like, if we can get on this, right. everyone will know. these are. This is a national thing. I mean, Andre had been on Letterman and that was probably about it from the WWF. And that's because he's but Andre, Andre was the like giant. a weird, like, folk hero kind of <laughs> Thing. like he you, is you know what i mean like yeah, he, he seems like a guy that would just be on not not for wrestling just, just because, because he's because Andre he's the on, giant because look at him he's like a gigantic person yes. that's the kind of weird shit that would be on a late night show yes. as like a side segment not even the main feature like the letterman thing this was also like the featured fucking segment of thing the show, on, yes. of the show. It wasn't yes. and my other guest is uh, <laughs> this guy's really tall it's weird. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're right, that, though, Quinn. That, that, Letterman would be like, Andre, uh, why, do you, why do you hold a beer can there? Right, Paul, you ever see that? No, I've never seen a beer can like it's that, It's kind of like how on Letterman, sometimes he has like animals or some, live animals. Yeah, he always did. You yes. know what I mean? It's like that segment. The it's like, show it's the shit. oddity yeah. one, right? It's like, that's what Andre is, unfortunately, <laughs> as much as we love Andre. No, I know. But like, this was a whole bit. Like, this was a whole thing, right? Yes, it was a wrestling angle on national television. Right, exactly. Is what it was. It wasn't Andre holds a beer can. Yeah, and, and also, Andre wasn't even WWF exclusive, really, Yeah, at that time. So, the other thing you gotta, you gotta imagine, I've never heard this confirmed, but you've gotta imagine that Vincent K. McMahon 
after seeing Hulk Hogan in Rocky, and then after seeing Andy Kaufman do all this, you got to think that he's, and he probably loved his dad a real lot, but he's probably like, man, my dad is dropping the ball here. Yeah. Turning away Hogan there, there and turning is, away Andy there Kaufman. There it is fucking playing the fuck right. out on national television and what's everyone talking about? Wrestling, you know? And it's not one of my guys. Yeah. It's not one of our guys. Right. So Andy Kaufman, yeah, was probably hugely influential in getting a celebrity involved in wrestling to the point where you could put him in the ring, put yeah. him on television, they kayfabe. It got fucking very Memphis Jerry the King Lawler <laughs> yeah, right. on national television. Like, if that didn't happen, so many less people would know who the fuck Jerry Lawler is, and yeah. it's just true. Like, I'm sorry. I know it's... King is very... <laughs> he. I love King. He's very minor. He's a fucking legend within the business. Yes. But <laughs> if, very if minor. he wasn't on that, nobody would really... No. He'd come into WWF, and everyone would really be like, who the <laughs> fuck is this guy? I didn't know who the fuck he was right. in the 90s. Outside of wrestling I, circles. I didn't have access to Memphis right. as a kid or anything, but like, I really was like, they say he's a legend. Who's I've never seen him man? fucking wrestle <laughs> other than like with Isaac Yankum and shit. Like, what? You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> No, but you're right, though. Yeah. So, I mean, Andy, okay. But we're still putting him against Tyson as we talk here, right? Mm -hmm. So Andy's the influence, the groundbreakingness, but the performance is miles better than Tyson. Yes. I'm sorry. I like Tyson. I mean, Cold Stone, the fast count at WrestleMania 14. Let's put it this way. Andy I'm Kaufman saying, was a professional performer. An entertainer. An entertainer. Mike Tyson was an athlete. It's not the that, same kind of thing. Right. Mike Tyson is great at entertaining in the ring, but again, yeah. it's, it's via his athletic skill on display yeah right? right it's not a thought out thing right right it's a performance as far as wow i can't believe he could knock those people like that's that's <laughs> yeah. amazing right yes i yeah. totally get it i totally agree but different kind of performance totally like, different yeah. totally different so andy kaufman versus bob euchre we got to put kaufman above him in my opinion yep. quinn there's no question yeah Again, I love you. A lot of movement on this list this week. This is why it's nitty and gritty. It's this is where it gets tight. Because, Kaufman and T. Because on one hand, Kaufman is the pioneer. Mr. T is another pioneer. But Mr. T is Vince, like, sort of achieving what he wanted. Getting Mr. a mainstream T celebrity in wrestling. Because Mr. T was on the talk shows and stuff, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he was on so, the A-team. Yeah. He was on A-team and TV. Mr. T is almost, in a weird way, is Vince's answer to Andy Kaufman, oddly enough. I'm sure there, I'm sure that Vince was inspired by Andy Kaufman. Again, I've never heard confirmation of that. But you have to think, knowing the way he was operating in 82 when he bought Capital, trying to expand, trying to grow the company... That's directly when the Kaufman stuff was going on. It was the right. summer, spring and summer of 82. Memphis, little old Memphis beating Vince to it. Right. And you got to figure it was in his mind somewhere for the next couple of years. How am I going to cash in? He finally does with Lauper first in 84. Lauper's the first one. Is the first one. Mr. T is like the, how can we link him to Hulk Hogan? Right. Like that, that's what he really, really wants. How, how Memphis linked Kaufman to their big guy. Their big King, guy, yeah. Right. Yep. How do we handcuff that together? Right. Yep. How do we put it in a package and get it to be on the talk shows on late night and shit or whatever? Yeah. And it worked. Yeah. And it worked. Kaufman's the best performer. Like, he's better than T. As 100%, a performer. 100%. Again, the importance is hard to measure because T, what T did was tangible. He's on the first WrestleMania. Kaufman did fucking Memphis. And that's right. not a dig at Memphis, but it's fucking little old rickety Memphis, you know? But could the blueprint for Mr. T, I feel like it was set at Kaufman, right? How do you do this? How do you present it? 
Andy Kaufman comes on with Jerry the King. Right. Mr. T comes on with Hulk Hogan. Yeah. You know no, what I, I mean? Like it. this. I, I know it's that sounds simple, but there's also, you know, the presentation and yada yada. yada. And how, business- how does it how does it get presented? How do we pitch it to Arsenio Hall or David Letterman or whoever the hell the late night host is at the time? See, the thing that you said earlier when we were comparing T and Tyson is still coming back to me. If you take Mr. T out of WrestleMania, what does that do? Now, it there's no ruins res- it. Yeah. There's no WrestleMania to take Andy Kaufman out of. So it's more like if you take Andy Kaufman out of wrestling, you know, what does that do? It makes the Jerry the King thing never happen. Yeah. Well, see, so if you take him out, right, then now you're like, <laughs> we're doing like time travel or something here. Like you, you take Andy Kaufman out and you might never have celebrities period, or it might be celebrities might be presented in a completely different way on the main stage. Or, you know Possibly. What I'm like, you know what I mean? Possibly. So, so taking Andy Kaufman out of his situation then becomes like this whole list might not exist. <laughs> I'm finding it hard to put yeah. Kaufman above other than the fact that he was the first one out of all of these people and the fact that he's the best performer. Is that enough to put him above T? It's very close in my opinion. Who do you think should be number one, Quinn? It's like almost like when I think of like gorgeous George and wrestling kind of situation. Yeah. It's like I think, well, the pioneer obviously should be number one, but is he better necessarily than what came after him? But in this case, Mm -hmm. I weirdly think that when I line up the current number one, kind of like, well, actually, Andy Kaufman might be a little bit better than Mr. T. Might on its face, you see Mr. T looks like an athlete and a wrestler, but Andy Kaufman's doing all the same shit. He's getting in the ring, he's doing the thing. He's just more of a character, just because of his stature in size doesn't necessarily mean he should be relegated to number two simply off that. Because I think that's really the only thing holding him back is that he's not like an athlete. We'll just put right? him at number one. Yeah. I think he should be number one, all things I considered, total package, because it's an all around better performer. Mm-hmm. We can't hold the fact that he didn't do it for WWF against him. Yeah. He wanted to. Yeah. He tried to. He asked them. Yeah. Okay. They, they didn't take it. I think Andy deserves number one right now. Right. Mr. T, very close at number two. Right. All right. Let's run it down, folks. This is the Royal Rankings. It is getting hot and heavy in two weeks. We'll finish it off. But right now, number one, Andy Kaufman. Two, Mr. T. Three, Bob Uecker. Four, Mike Tyson. That's a hell of a rush war right there. Crazy. Right, yeah. that top four. Number five, Regis. Still beautiful. Six, Dennis Rodman. Seven, LT. And eight, rather than up, is Pete Rose. How about it? Folks, how about that? It's the Royal Rankings of Celebrities and Wrestling. Let us do yours. Do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group. And Quinn, when we come back, it's time for our showdown. Mm-hmm. Yay. We're going to the Survivor Series showdown, and that'll be coming up <sighs> right after this. To my right, ladies and gentlemen, you may have seen this young man uh, last Saturday night on Saturday Night Live, Andy Coffin. Perhaps you have seen him as Latka in the uh, television series Taxi. Again, as we said, one of the rising superstars in the world of comedy. Welcome to Madison Square Garden, Andy. Hi, how are you? Thank you. The wrestling here tonight unquestionably most exciting, but you do wrestling on, on your own, as a matter of fact, but uh, generally with the ladies. That's right. That's right. I, I just don't think that it's possible for a woman to beat a man in wrestling. And I think that even if a, a woman trains for a long time and, uh, you know, uh, gets in shape and stuff, I just don't think that a woman has the physical capability of beating a man. And not only the physical, but the mental. I just don't think they're mentally capable of thinking that way. 
Um, I think that they're just capable of washing the dishes and the pots and pans, you know, raising the babies. And uh, So if there's any woman that wants to prove me wrong, I offer $500 to any woman, any woman anywhere that wants to wrestle me. I will pay $500 to any woman that can pin my shoulders to the mat. Hello, wrestling fans. It's time to shout out our friends of the show now. These are other independent podcasters that do their best each and every week to put out a unique program focusing on old wrestling, kind of like OVP. Let's start with the best of Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking filthy. We're talking unprofessional wrestling podcast. We're talking about booking the territory where you will get your fix of the NWA each week. And then for a whimsical journey led by one man, Pete Winson, Check out Greetings from Allentown. It might be WWF, it might be WCW, it could be Mid-South. So check out our friends of the show. We're talking about booking the territory and Greetings from Allentown. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here. It's episode 237, and Quinn, we are reviewing something. We are. This is the one-hour version of the Survivor Series Showdown, November 22nd. One hour. <laughs> 93. One hour wrestling is very good. Is this again like the SummerSlam yep. thing where there's somehow two versions? Yes. So as we did uh, last month for the SummerSlam Spectacular, we wanted to, for our own benefit, see what the hell was going on in the hype show. It's enough uh, enough 1993 in my life. <laughs> I cannot wait till we are past this. We're getting there, Quinn. Yeah. Now, the Survivor Series Showdown, much like the SummerSlam Spectacular and the March to WrestleMania, mm. These were USA Network hype shows that were sometimes in the olden days in the primetime time slot. Right. And other times just a Sunday night special, two hours, to hype the upcoming pay-per-view. There's also a couple of them branded as Sunday Night Slam in 94 and 95. We've done all those, I Mm -hmm. think, or two of them. So anyway, the Survivor Series showdown is obviously the one before, guess what? The Survivor Series. Quinn's least favorite pay-per-view historically. Notoriously horrible fucking pay-per-view until like 1997 or something <laughs> hates it yeah. he hates the survivor series i don't really but i like to get him riled up about it so this is the one hour version which aired on a monday november 22nd 93 in lieu of a regular episode of raw the day before on november 21st was the full two hour version and we can run that down for you later but quinn november of 93 wwf is a very sticky time period for them. There's a this lot of is, things going on. This is Decline City, huh? This is some yeah. garbage. House show attendance is not that great. They're I don't bi- know how it could be with this roster right now. <laughs> and their biggest angle, uh, one of their biggest angles that they had going between Bret Hart and Jerry Lawler had to be completely rerouted right before this due to legal reasons. We will talk more about that, I'm sure, on yeah, our I, review. I, I don't want to get into I it here. Know. but Anytime you say king and legal reasons, the first thing that jumps to mind is what legal situation yeah, exactly. because that's how king's career is yeah he'll usually anytime king disappears he's getting sued or something something Pretty happened much. yeah so they bring in Shawn michaels who had been off tv since september yeah for other reasons that we no one knows really he was fat or something and steroids <laughs> but he wasn't doing steroids he was just fat he very much drugs. there's no way in hell he Ugh. was doing steroids with the with the physique that he had (laughs) like i can never and and leg day maybe this is something where you need to confirm there's no fucking way Shawn michaels was taking steroids in 1993 like it's impossible to me if he was he wasn't working out yeah while taking them that's for sure yeah so with that said that's pretty poor and i guess the other big angle unfortunately is lex luger versus ludwig borga during this time frame goody (laughs) that's what everyone wanted to see why isn't lex luger the champion what's going on vince didn't want to yet 
and maybe by now doesn't want to at all. Well, if you let him just do dumb shit, then you're going to not like him. Like, but It's partially the booking that weakens him in the first place. It is. And, you know, it's kind of telling on this one hour version anyway, because you don't see Lex Luger at all on the show. No, they might it's already like he be doesn't giving exist up on him. anymore. Yeah. And that's okay with me because he's not very good, truthfully, as a face in WWF. Anyway, let's get into it, Quinn. It's the Survivor Series Showdown, 1993, November 22nd. Another showdown, which means another Survivor Series is coming up. Why? <laughs> Your favorite. We get the usual Raw intro, even though this technically isn't Raw or whatever. I assume because Survivor Series music would make people shut the TV off right away. So, yeah, they're like, oh, Survivor? Oh. It's that time of year again? Hmm. The siren briefly goes off before we get to see Vince and Bobby on a very moderate set in that stupid room. Same one as last time with SummerSlam. Yep, the Hogan might leave room. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Monday Night Raw. I'm Vince McMahon, along with Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yeah. There's raw banners on each side and a very crappy Survivor Series Showdown logo on the TV in the background. The Survivor Series logo is all tiny. They know. They know. <laughs> They're downplaying it. Yeah. Vince has a tux. Bobby has a classic black suit. And now we run down, Quinn, how Tatanka has been replaced by The Undertaker on the All-Americans team. Which is honestly a huge upgrade. It is. Let's be fair here. In like, everything. In star Tatanka? power. Tatanka? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> You're right. Bobby then mentions how on the Foreign Fanatics team, Pierre has been replaced by Crush. That's a downgrade. <laughs> it is. No, 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 no. That's not good. Star power, it's an upgrade, but wrestling-wise, major downgrade. Major. major. Pierre's good. Pierre is really good. Yeah. Also, Quinn, like we said, Jerry Lawler is gone. Because of legal That's reasons. That's what Vince says. Also out of action, the King Jerry Lawler, for legal reasons. Quinn, he's going to be replaced by Shawn Michaels, and they even mention... Last year's Survivor Series, Brett versus Sean, to make it not seem as random, because mm-hmm. they're scrambling here. They've been building. King versus Brett was a hot angle. Yeah. Look at it, SummerSlam. It, it was huge. It was great. It was the best thing on that show. Yes. It was one of the best angles they had going. So they have to try to make this matter. Anyway, Bobby now says that he's heard Mr. Perfect might step aside at Survivor Series and let Randy Savage take his place. Which I had no idea they were mentioning all of that. I thought it just Survivor Series happens and Perfect's I'm not, not there. Lie. Yeah. I felt like with this Mr. Perfect Randy Savage thing that they were trying to like invoke the excitement for Survivor Series 1992, which I didn't care about either. I don't know if that's that or if they're really subtly teasing that Perfect ain't going to be there and they're just trying to like forewarn you because mm. he's not at Survivor Series. Oh, he isn't? I thought that Savage wasn't. Well, you're going to have to wait until I, we I review it. I don't remember, because it's Survivor Series 93. It's not like I watched that for leisure. It'll be available next weekend. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Vince's cadence, by the way, is very much in that, I am a professional, please buy this pay-per-view here in the World yeah, Wrestling yeah. Federation. You know what I mean, where he's just trying to sell. There is no telling what's going to happen at this year's Survivor Series this Wednesday night, exclusively on pay-per-view. Down to ringside with Quinn's favorite ring announcer. Bill Dunn, very excellent. This guy is great. <laughs> the following I contest. I don't care what you guys say. Bill Dunn is a fucking hero. This guy is so underrated. This is like... A, he like, could have been an unsung hero. Unsung hero of ring announcers right here because the following matchup is scheduled for one fall. This contest is scheduled for one fall. And it is for the World Wrestling Federation Championship title. A semi-bored Jim Ross welcomes us. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Gorilla Monsoon from the Stanford booth. Well, this is the one that we wanted to see, ladies and gentlemen. Introducing Gorilla 
out soon. They, the stakes don't get any higher than this. It seriously makes me think this was meant for Coliseum video, this whole thing. Like, this match is way too big for some random taping. Yeah, the world title match, yeah. yes. So Yokozuna's soothing music hits, and he saunters out with Mr. Fuji. I'm not sure where we are here, but I can see the air duct, Quinn. I can see the ceiling and the wall, which is a double whammy of decline. <laughs> and the Chiron is crap on. Did you notice that? It's horrible. Ugh. Earl Flemwad is going to be our referee here. As Gorilla wonders, what was the brain talking about with the pro? Fuck, fuck him. He's an idiot. Yeah, Gorilla just uh, taking a second to shit on brain yeah. because, of course. Why not? Uh, Yoko throws the salt, does a sumo routine, and fans are just silently staring. JR, meanwhile, says, heck or high water. I've never heard that phrase. <laughs> heck. heck and high water. I like radio. Yeah. <laughs> Brett's music actually gets a pretty good pop. Gorilla, oh, listen to this ovation. He makes sure to call Brett the excellent of execution since that nickname finally stuck. <laughs> Gorilla's proud, remember? Yeah, remember it? how much he was saying it like 86? So many different people. He's like, Ricky Steamboat, <laughs> excellence of execution. Like, he just kept doing it. Your Lordship, Bob Orton here has what I like to call excellence of execution. Yeah, and, until finally Brett Hart yeah. stuck with the name. Embraced it, probably. Yeah. Oh, listen to this ovation. Brett is in his normal 1993 gear. He looks pretty good. And JR recaps the WrestleMania 9 match with Brett and Yoko. Of course, doesn't mention Hogan. We also get a nice shot of the Icapro banner, Quinn. Very popular banner. As Brett drops down to give his glasses away, the announcers talk about what Brett needs to do to win this. Gorilla even mentions the dungeon. His ring savvy that he learned down in the dungeon. Uh, Yoko and Fuji have a quick talk now before we get a bell. Brett attacks Yoko from behind. Cheap shots, Quinn, right? And hammers yeah, away. Cheap shots. What's that about with Brett Hart? Big baby win. face? He doesn't care. Weird. He wants to win. You know how Brett is? He always kind of wrestles like you know, a heel. You know, I'm the best wrestler, and I, you know, I do anything to win. You know, I just wanted to win the title. Yeah. I don't care. Uh, Yokozuna would take it do it to me. Anyway, Yoko's wobbling here as Brett goes to work off the ropes. Crossbody is caught. Body slammed by Yoko. Quickly off the ropes. Elbow misses. Yoko's back up quick, though. So is Brett. Dropkick sends Yoko right out of the ring. Yoko stumbles around, runs right into the post. <laughs> it's so silly. This Yoko is, is, you know what's weird? It's like we're in late 93 and Yoko still, you know, he's still got some serious shit left to do. He's motivated. But what's odd is he's already acting like goofy Yoko in like, the second half of 94 yeah, and like 95 mean. and stuff. Chuck Norris Yoko. Yeah, the, the goofier version. He is. But I got to say, this is the best opening to a Yoko match I've ever seen. It's it was pretty hot. fast-paced, yeah. yeah. Brett now literally, Bret Hart leads a USA chant. What? Well, he's a dual citizen. I, you know, my mom's from Nassau College. He doesn't hype himself as an American, though, ever. Never. Yeah. Never. Always Canadian. Yeah, best Albertan in the world. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Yoko farts around on the outside. Also, by the way, notice no cornet. See, Fuji is the top manager <laughs> of Yoko. When, the, when they're dealing, when they're in the armories across the nation, it's Mr. Fuji that's, that's always got Yoko's back, not cornet. Cornet only shows up when it matters. Well, because he's a spokesperson. Fuji's in the trench with Yoko, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, you trained real, that yeah. his Yokozama or whatever he calls him. <laughs> Yokozama! Yokozuma? Yeah. yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Earl won't let Brett get outside the ring, which kind of screws Brett over. Yoko regroups on the steps, talks more to Fuji. Even Gorilla's like, oh, the referee letting him fuck around out there. Yeah. What an idiot. Yeah. You know? It's real. <laughs> Brett leads a USA chant again. Yoko finally is in the ring. And while he's straddling the middle rope, Brett just kicks that rope right into the Polynesian Islands there. Mm -hmm. More rights by the hitman. Sleep well, he does know it. He does know it. That's true. Uh, Yoko throws Brett off his back, though, and the hitman's right back up. More right hands. Yoko's had enough. Just clotheslines Brett straight down. This is pretty good, Quinn. It's okay. In all seriousness. I don't mind this match. Yoko with a knee to the sternum, which we know Brett has. We don't know if right. Blade does. Yeah, you know. Blade. <laughs> you know what a sternum is? That's this bone right here. Right there. I don't even know if you got one. 
those it's an amazing clip. <laughs> you guys, right here. It's uh, one of my favorite parts of the whole documentary, among various other amazing parts. All the heart related, any heart talking that, on that, that is good. Like very private moment in the car with like, is this your sternum blade? I don't like, know if you have one. Yeah, like that whole shit is amazing. <laughs> Crowd sounds completely bored. Big chop by Yoko. As Gorilla goes in a rant about the foreign fanatics, which is very like reminiscent of the Warlord and Domino's Pizza rant <laughs> from you remember that MS, MSG show with yes. Gorilla yep. and like Lord and Bobby, and he's like bitching about that fucking team from '91 Survivor Series. I love it. Yeah, he's doing the same shit here. He's like calls Jacques Rougeau a goofball. Yeah, which is accurate. He's like he's so far out that he's in. Fuji is the mastermind. He's got two guys. He's got Yokozuna and Crush, who will both do his bidding for them. And you know Ludwig. He's, he won't have any choice. He'll have to go with the flow. And the other goofball, Jacques, he's so far out, he's in. Anyway, Yoko with some fancy eye gouging now. And then we get a proud yush instead of yosh. Yeah. Yush. Yush. <laughs> the alternate version. Yeah. Yoko boots Brett to the floor, and we get a pathetic attempt at another USA chant from like eight kids. Meanwhile, Gorilla's all irritated, <laughs> disagreeing with JR and saying the foreign fanatics are the favorites because Taker's a loner. He's like, that's the reason. Like, that's Jeff Ross now Teamwork. Well, I have to say, Gorilla on yeah. the radio. You're absolutely <laughs> fucking wrong, Jr. Jim Ross. Yeah. Jim. <laughs> Fuji with a half-assed flag shot. He's just like, ah. As we go to break, we're back. Where Brett is back in the ring, trying to make the comeback here. Big rights again. Yoko's down to one knee, but he nails Brett with a low blow. While Fuji is fucking around with Earl and Yoko now with the patented nerve hold. Gorilla notes the fingers in Brett's traps. Good. It's excellent. It is. As he's digging those fingers down into the trapezius muscles. We stay in this for something like two minutes as Brett struggles to his feet. Nerve, nerve, nerve. Yeah. Uh, At least he gave me a break from taking notes for a minute. I always appreciate the rest holds for me, yeah. too. Uh, elbows to the gut, off the rope, shoulder block, but Brett goes down. Yoko then calmly throws Brett to the floor. He comes down after, tries to ram Brett into the steps. It's blocked, and Yoko takes a shot. Anyway, Earl is again terrible at refereeing, so Yoko nails Brett with a chair outside. All Fuji is doing is pointing. Get over it, Earl. Mm -hmm. Do your job. Focus on the match, you asshole. Anyway, another chair shot to the back of the head, and now Yoko happily rolls back into the ring. JR sends us to break again, and we come back with Yoko grabbing Brett off the mat by the hair. Big chop by Yoko. Another USA chant fires up. These chants are very incorrect, and it's like bothering me at this point, like because it's multiple times. It's just like, he's fucking Canadian! I mean, like, you stop it! Yoko and Fuji are more American than Bret Hart. Fuji definitely. Yoko's from California. Oh, right, true. I always think Yoko's like from Samoa, technically. Yeah, but he's technically it, it, American. Okay. Gorilla calls the 36-year-old Bret Hart a youngster, which makes me feel good, mm -hmm. Quinn, obviously. Well. My first day of being 36. Of course. You know, yeah. So so I'm a youngster. Flattering you. You're still a youngster, too. I'm a I'm big-time youngster because I'm a year difference there. Yeah, you're a difference. Uh, yeah. Brett gets Yoko reeling, goes for the dropkick. Yoko sidesteps off the ropes. Hulk buster leg drop by Yokozuna, which Brett sells awesomely as Yoko's wasting time just sitting there catching his breath. Yoko back up to his feet, taunts the crowd. Gorilla now gets all pissy about how much time Yoko's wasting. He's stupid! <laughs> what like a he, fat fuck! Uh, yeah, what a fucking idiot! <laughs> he should fucking pin him, a piece of shit! Jim Ross? Yeah. <laughs> Finally, Yoko drags Brett up by the hair, throws him into the turnbuckle. Some choking now by Chokozuna. Oh, uh, <laughs> Why do you always laugh at that? Stupid. <laughs> Corner whip. <laughs> I only say, say it because you like it. Yeah. <laughs> Back first goes Brett. And Yoko with the running splash and Brett moves. And here he comes. Oh, it took too long. Nobody there. 
Yoko's still up, though, but he's teetering. Brett hammers away off the ropes. Close on another. Yoko's still up. Third heart attack style. Clothesline. Yoko's down. One, two, kick out. Fuji up on the apron now. Brett sends him right down. Hitman on the second rope on the inside. Gorilla, the big guy like a beached whale. That's such a, that's such a gorilla monsoon line. <laughs> I know. Say the big guy like a beached whale. Brett off the ropes, and he's caught by Yoko. Brett bites his way out of the bear hug, because fuck it. Big face. He doesn't Huge care. Huge face, Joe. He doesn't try. He wants a win. Mm -hmm. He doesn't give a shit. Uh, Fuji is still recovering on the apron all hilariously as Brett measures Yoko for a kick off the turnbuckle. Hops up onto the second rope. Bulldog. Awesome sell by Yoko. Cover. One. Two. Kick out. JR thinks he got him. Brett bitches at Earl. Why? Because he's horrible. Yeah, but um, in this case, it was like a normal count. That's the only reason I questioned Brett there. Earl's horrible. So counterfeit t-shirts <laughs> you no, always, you're never gonna like no that was like 20 years ago it's like care. so stupid it's 16 years ago yeah I'm counting no but it's still <laughs> funny though because that's why he got fired of all things and not any not anything <laughs> you know? else it was just like <laughs> all how many did... shirts could it have possibly been like how what did he make like a thousand bucks or something I don't like know. who cares and like he's worked for them for like 20 something years at that point and <laughs> that's, that's what's funny brett goes back up and the diving elbow connects for two Brett seems to have hurt his knee a little bit on the elbow. Both guys are down. Earl starts to count as a crowd chants USA. Both guys struggle up. Brett's off the rope. Stuck under. Yoko catches him in the belly to belly. Love it. Yoko's back up now. Brett is down and out. Off the ropes and the vertical splash misses. Man, this is close. Why is this so good? Yeah, what? I know. And it's like, not. It's nobody ever talks about this. This is really good. The Survivor Series showdown. That's why no one talks yeah. about it. You know, I thought I had a good match with Yokozuna. I think I had the best matches with Yokozuna. He would think that. He was right. Name a better Yokozuna match. Mm. You can't. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Yoko's I like the tag stuff, though. With Owen. Oh, yeah, definitely. This tag stuff's great. Uh, Yoko in trouble now, and Brett kind of clamps the sharpshooter on the face down. You like, kind of gets it, it on. It looks dumpy with, like, Yoko's fat thighs. <laughs> the crowd doesn't even buy it. Yeah, they're not really popping for it. Yeah, it they're like, is this it? it? Like, this doesn't, he doesn't, like, have it. It doesn't look yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, but the champ won't quit, and suddenly, <laughs> we get a very bizarre cut to Owen Hart coming down the aisle in his jacket, like, Looks slapping like, hands. All happy yeah. in, like, the blue blazer tights. Like, I'm like, <laughs> What? I'll because explain. okay, so I'll explain later. Did they like fuck with the audio too? Because I almost feel like there was like other music probably playing when he stormed out. Like yeah, the way the, he looked, everything's in like, it. Yeah, it's all fucked up. Asking him, I can't hear. It's deafening in here. Oh, here Wait come, a minute. Here comes Owen Hart to the ring. So we cut now to Fuji grabbing the salt bucket, where Hebner is outside admonishing Owen, who suddenly doesn't have his jacket on and may or may not be beating up somebody who has legal issues at the moment. Hmm. So Owen slides back in, beats the fuck out of Yoko before going after Fuji, and then a bucket shot by Owen on Yoko. What is this? <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> I'm so confused. Okay. Want me to explain it now? Yeah. Okay. Just tell me because I'm like okay. at the edge of my seat. Okay. Because I watched this. I'm not looking it up. It's 1993. But like it, it, it was very <laughs> stupid, all of it. Okay. So when this was taped, which was, I don't know, 10 days before this, I can't remember off the top of my head. One of the matches taped was... Owen Hart versus Jerry Lawler. Okay. Meanwhile, for this match, Jerry Lawler ran out to interfere while Brett had Yoko in the sharpshooter. Okay. Owen ran out to stop him. They obviously had to edit all of that out. So what they did is they cut in Owen entering from when he was coming out to face Jerry Lawler. Right, because that's what didn't make sense to me was the high fives with the happy face. <laughs> and and I was jacket. Because like, I was like, that seemed very healy. That, yeah. that idea of like, oh, I'm in, look at me. I'm, I'm coming out, Brett. <laughs> it's like, even though Brett's like in the middle of a fucking right. match, like I was like, what the fuck? 
So that's one thing. Then if you notice, if you have to look really close, when they cut from Owen doing that to Fuji, like, interfering, you can see Owen on the outside, no jacket or anything, because he had run out to stop right. I just figured he took his jacket. I right. thought this is all... I was very confused by all this. And they try to hide it with the camera shuts, but you can... I didn't s- even notice King. Yeah, but you have to really look to right, see okay. it. But you can just see a glimpse of King on the floor, because Owen was there to, like, stop him. And then the ending happened as planned. And the whole point of it was to sow more dissension between Owen and Brett, like preemptively. So were they already doing that, though? Because I, I was always under the belief is that Survivor Series, that's when that started. Well, they were but then very there, subtly doing There's things later it. in this show about that, I too. Know. And I'm like, I didn't know that. I th- again, I thought it all came, I thought it all origin was the Survivor Series match. Nope, that was just where it came to a head okay. for the first time. So anyway... They had to scramble and edit Jerry Lawler out of all this, which leads me to believe they had to edit all the commentary also. Mm-hmm. Well, it's weird that it was on the two-hour version. Vince and Bobby do this match, and, and it's the same thing. Vince has to, like, cover, there's Owen Hart! He's he's helping Brett! Like, yeah. and no mention of the king. You know what I yeah. mean? It's very weird. Just like that, here comes Owen Hart for the celebration! But anyway, the bell rings. The winner by DQ, of course, Yokozuna, and then Gorilla, holy Moses, what a miscarriage of justice here. Give me a break. Yeah, well, of course. And Jerry's like, I don't agree with that reeling at all. Holy Moses, what a miscarriage of justice here. Give me a break. Well, I don't agree with that reeling whatsoever. Why wouldn't Yoko win? Owen interfered. Why would they change the title like at Survivor <laughs> yeah, Series yeah. Showdown is another main question Showdown. that needs to be asked by anybody hoping for a title changer. <laughs> True. So Owen checks in on Brett here as we cut back to Vince and Bobby. Vince reminds us that this Wednesday at Survivor Series, there won't be any singles competition. Great, then why have we watched this? I don't get it. <laughs> Bobby stirs up shit now in the Hart family and says, uh, you know, we can't worry about old man Stu Hart drooling out there. <laughs> he just couldn't help himself. Huh? Anytime the Hart family comes up, Bobby just, it's like it's a switch like goes off. I'll tell you something, Survivor Series, you better get all your hearts together. If you want to win this match, you better wrestle with your minds, not your heart. Learn how to control your feelings. Don't worry about old man Stu Hart at ringside drooling or grandma Stu Hart sitting up there in the stands. You better concentrate on your opponents. I mean, the Hart family is very easy fodder. It's why we make fun of them on our show so much. I, mean, I don't know. Look it, at them. It's hard to help Just look it. at it's it. Everything about them. And listen, I really respect the hearts for what I they do did. Too. It's not about that. It's just that. There's all these little aspects about the Hart family that are a punchline, and it's really hilarious And to all me. the things Brett has said over the years, you know, and, about and, them. And any other family member yeah. in interviews. Allison, I mean, yeah, it's just Georgia, like, it's just like, Ellie. are they asking for a joke here? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's too easy. <laughs> they like to call us Hart Fart, which was, oh, I, I hate that. There's it's, just so much. It's gonna. There's just so much content. So much. Somebody could make a 10-hour DVD of like just heart family stuff, just as like a base point of material, <laughs> like the heart family like Bible of like comedic joke fodder. Someone should. Yeah. Anyway, Vince sends us to break and promises that Todd will be here when we come back, and also real Rogers later. <sighs> that shit, real Rogers stinks. <laughs> like that shit was dumb, horrible. But first, Quinn, Todd narrates a very good promo here. Razor Ramon versus Diesel, next week on Raw. I like it. Two massive brawlers collide in the squared circle, next week on Monday Night Raw. I like Serious Todd. Serious Todd, good. Jokey Todd, bad. Very bad. Yeah. <laughs> yes, my name is Porful. Igman Porful. We now get the creepy-ass <laughs> intro for our Survivor Series 93 report. <laughs> Ugh. 
it's a 3D graphic of a bomb with Survivor Series logo on a scaffold and screeching can be heard. It's very appropriate for Survivor Series. <laughs> like this, to me, this like this graphic encapsulates my thoughts. Like it's in hell in the yeah, background. Yeah, basically like, it's, it's a roller coaster in hell or something. It's, it's like, wow, they just, that's what Survivor Series has always been in my brain. <laughs> it's a roller coaster in hell. Hey, you're right. And uh, it's, a, it's a bomb waiting to go off. Pretty I much, mean, yeah, honestly, like Survi- the show. Everything about Survivor Series. It's poor. Yeah. We have the Todd now proudly wearing his Survivor Series shirt, Quinn. Ugh. You know what's so strange? Just three months ago, this was Mean Gene doing this stuff for SummerSlam. Yeah. And probably like Joe Fowler still like three weeks ago. Uh, He's Joe already Fowler, gone. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the Toddster warns us to order it now so you don't lose out because of all the last minute orders this, or something. This is weird because like, can a TV show sell out? Like they <laughs> was, run out of them? Yeah, that's what like, he was acting like. Yeah, I don't understand what he's saying. You want to order it now so you don't miss out. What, what? How? I'll just order it later. The only thing... The, he doesn't clarify because the way he says it sounds like they're going to run out of Survivor yeah. Series. But I think what he really means is like you don't want to be caught ordering when after the show starts and then you miss the first like twenty minutes or something. Maybe I do. Yeah, I, well, on Survivor Series, definitely, I would call them like <laughs> midway through the show. Can just you still, ask them like, what's happening. Can you still flip it on for me or whatever? Just ask them to check yeah. for you. Ask the operator to turn it on and be like, "Hey, can you tell me what match is going on?" I always love early pay per view. The, the the aspect that literally somebody at a switchboard has to like flip the shit on. Literally, because remember, I remember watching the, the 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 fuzzy, and then when it like flips, it's literally like somebody flipped a switch. Yeah, literally, it's crazy. They have to scramble it and they have to turn it on. Yeah. So anyway, Todd just basically recaps everything we heard already. You know, Waller is out. Michaels is in. Perfect might step aside for Savage because fuck Crush. I prefer it, but I doubt it. Well, you have to yeah, see when we'll we do the Survivor it, yeah. Series. But of course, Quinn, the doofus main event for the show is Lex Luger, the Steiners, and The Undertaker taking on Yokozuna, Ludwig Borga, Crush, and Jacques. Just Jacques. Yeah. No just, Pierre. That's that's okay. Jacques Rougeau is good. Yeah. That's Glad he's it. back. Why didn't they just call him the Mountie just for that? He's not the Mountie. Oh, is he? Are we past the he can't say that? He's not a Mountie. He can't one. do it anymore. No, okay. Mountie. We now segue into the heralded Bam Bam and Booger and the Head Shrinkers versus the Four Doinks match. Fuck, Doink his face already? What the fuck? Ugh. Ugh, it was good while it lasted, but man, yeah, I, was, not. Is very, I was very sad. I, I thought it, we had one more pay-per-view. No, that's it. Uh, so Todger throws us to last weekend on Superstars where Doink was fucking with Bam Bam on the video wall. You know who two of my partners are, don't you? <laughs> you know, of course. No, I need someone to help me. I was positive this was born. Not born, that is. Mm-hmm. I know that he was gone by like September or October, but maybe these pre-tapes were done when he was still there, just not wrestling or something. I'm not going to... It sounds like Matt Bourne to me. It could be. Does it sound like him to you? It did. I'm not sure when this was taped. It didn't look like a different doink yet. It sounds Um, like Bourne. The other thing that was really um, confusing for me here on the side is that I thought that the four doinks that they've like men on the mission or whatever. like the bushwhackers? Yeah. yeah, I thought that like, yeah, like I was so confused when I saw this. I was like, wait a sec. Doesn't this happen in 1994 or something? No. Like I'm so confused. So basically what happens here is Matt Bourne possibly pops up on the video wall, right? Yeah. And then there's like four, three other ones pop up. Right. Like a Zoom meeting, like a bad Zoom meeting. Yeah, it's bad. That's not four different doinks, right, Quinn? Is it like, so it's, the, is it like so, WrestleMania 9? Yeah, so they're like the WrestleMania 9 clones where yeah. it's just Matt Bourne four only, times. Yeah, there was only just ever Matt Bourne. Like talking to himself. Yeah, yeah no, there wasn't, that, that was two Matt Bournes. It was an illusion. It was illusion, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so Luna freaks out, you know, in her usual fashion. And she's greatly upset. Like, she is, like, more upset than Bam is. What the fuck? She's like, this is fucking outrageous. Like, Why is there four of you? Yeah. 
<laughs> like all pissed. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to Todd, who says that these are the same four clowns who put Bill Clinton over the top with NAFTA. I didn't want to say anything before I saw that again, but those are the same four clowns that put Bill Clinton over the top with NAFTA. Todd, please. Again, he tells a joke. I instantly He's, hate him. What? Like, just don't do that. Don't don't You're not tell funny. jokes. He's not fucking funny. He's great when he's like raw razor yeah. Ramon diesel. Like that sounds How good. Is he good at that? <laughs> right. You wouldn't think it. Right. But that's where he's good, where he shines. But when he's like, oh, NAFTA. Ho, ho, when ho. he says that, oh, I'm like, uh, I just think of fucking mania. Yeah, or something. exactly. Like, mania. It's like, ugh. Anyway, Razor Ramon, 123Kid, Martin Gennetti, and Mr. Perfect, maybe, will be taking on IRS, The Diesel, Adam Bomb, and Rick Martell. What a weird team that is. <laughs> Very proud heel team. Yeah. And if you're curious, IRS is the captain. Uh, last weekend on Superstars, Martell was getting all pissy with Harvey Whippleman, so Adam Bomb got all up in his shit before Diesel wandered down. Martell, all older looking yeah. like by now, even though it's, he's only been gone for like a couple months. Yeah. Like, not even that. He hasn't even been gone that long. Since like the spring. Yeah, like it, it's, it's like not he that took long. like a season off <laughs> yeah. and like now he looks like he's fucking 48. That's very sad. I, what happened? I don't know. It's I think like it's, his hair got stringier. I think that's what's doing his it. His hair is worse, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and whatever reason, JR and Gorilla are dubbed in on the commentary of last week on Superstars. What? I don't know why. Like, they weren't the Superstars Did Kane team. somehow get mentioned on a stray comment during it? Perhaps. Is that why? Oh, was King the announcer? Oh, maybe that's why. Was yeah. King the Superstars announcer? I can't remember anymore. Either way, I guarantee you it had something to do because King and legal reasons, yeah. and he can't be on the show anymore. Legal reasons. So anyway, IRS, the captain, wanders over. JR, JR's like, well, maybe a uh, cooler heads will prevail here. <laughs> of course he says that. Back to Todd Quinn, who tells us there's also going to be a match for the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Titles, the Rock and Roll Express taking on the Heavenly Bodies, in Boston. There's a graphic of the Rock and Roll Express looking fucking 63, but in reality, they're 38. I checked. They're, they are 38. Well, at least Ricky Morton is. Yeah. Well, as we said last week when we did Smoky Mountain, they always looked old. How the fuck are they 38? How? How is that possible? I don't know, Quinn. It's insane. They're always old. It's crazy. I know. Todd reminds us of the rules here. Which is that it's a fucking tag team match, okay? Or it's a match. The rules are you lose like you would in a normal fucking match by pin or submission or anything. It's a match. Big caveat this year, Joe. What? Is Todd says you get pumpkin pie if you lose, Well, which seems really nice. Pumpkin pie? Oh, yeah, no peanut butter not pie, Not peanut though. butter, but oh. if you lose, just for losing, you get pumpkin pie. That's said. nice. A little he consolation. Said if you, if you, once you lose, you have to go to the back and eat your pumpkin pie. That's what he said. I would want to lose, then. So I'm, I'm, I'm expecting, you know, gorilla's in gorilla position, right? And he's got the pumpkin pies ready. <laughs> and, like, they walk, the losers walk in. Here you go! It's like a, it's like a nice piece nice cut for them. A hearty piece. Yeah. You want whipped cream? <laughs> Pat, can we get some whipped cream? No, no, I, I'm thinking Gorilla's got the ready whip next, oh, just like, everything ne- laid on, out on, on the red on the ready next to him in Gorilla position, and he's he's putting the ready whip on. Oh, that's nice of him. Yeah, what a nice guy. Well, I mean, they have to fucking be there on Thanksgiving weekend yeah. or whatever it is for them. Thanksgiving weekend, yeah. Thanksgiving, yeah, like everyone's off by Wednesday. They're not fucking working. You know my it outrage really with just off. like this whole like even the day before is too much to me because people like especially these guys are traveling. That's the worst travel day of the year. It is like and you're going to make them do that too. Like no wonder everyone fucking quits before this show. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like <laughs> I love that theory that everyone quits before Survivor Series. It just always happens. Every year. Yeah. Anyway, Todd says that all the talk stops this Wednesday, but sadly he doesn't say it'll be time for Turkey. Uh, he <laughs> then says that this event, Quinn is one that changes the complexion of a nation. Excuse me, I couldn't... Joe, I couldn't 
fucking believe this. He he says only a couple times in a lifetime does an event come along that will change the complexion yep. of a nation. And it's, it's this. And, and it's this. Four doinks. Survivor Series 1993. It Ludwig. changed the complexion of America. Ludwig Borga. Yeah. Also, don't forget, though, on Raw, next week is Razor versus Diesel. And now, promotional consideration is paid for by Razor Ramon for <laughs> Icapro Drugs. The bad guy now takes Icapro steroids. Good there job. he is. I, I haven't seen him on Icapro yet, so it's no. good to know he's, he's juicing up. He's juicing. Randy Savage for the Hasbros featuring Hulk Hogan. A figure for someone who doesn't work here. That's correct. And yeah. electronic hotshot basketball. It's fucking here. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's back, baby. Well played basketball. Yeah. Back to Vince and Bobby. In the stupid room. <laughs> Vince says soon we're going to see the individual matchup, IRS versus Marty Jannetty. Momentarily, Bobby Heenan, we shall see the individual matchup. Why can't he just talk like a human being? Who says the individual uh, matchup? Yeah, the, or in a singles match. Yeah, like, like <laughs> If he needed to describe what it was, nobody has ever said an individual match well, but like, Vince. Why does he have to talk like that? <sighs> anyway, Vince and Bobby now decide to fantasy book the Survivor Series match with Marty taking on the whole t- heel team for a one and Vince is like, well, that wouldn't be fair. What? That wouldn't be fair, would it? Why does he think that's going to happen? And, that's just a yeah. random thought. And also, why isn't that fair? Yeah. <laughs> Even Bobby's like, well, they knew what they were getting into yeah, when they signed yeah, that's this. That's the other thing. It's like that's the rule. That's that, the point. That's like it could happen. Yeah, it could happen to the heels too. Yeah, you that know? wouldn't be fair. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, the brain says he knows perfect really well, and he says he knows it's going to happen with Savage. We get it. Just stop talking about <laughs> it. Know, they keep right? yelling it. They're like, Randy Savage, Randy Savage. Mr. Perfect might not be there. You know, it is funny how like it's such a better thing if Randy Savage takes his place. Agreed. Yeah. No, Savage is better. To ringside where JR and Gorilla welcome us back as IRS enters the ring. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> so now this is a raw taping now, a different taping. So it's the Fink announcing. Oh, I see. Now IRS, shut up, Finkel. And then he does his usual tax spiel. You know the deal. You know right? the deal. Audits, cheats, fuckers. And then a followed by boom. <laughs> <laughs> JR calls him HR Shyster. Danny Davis will be the referee here, so expect some conversation as the rocker's music hits and Marty trots out looking stupid. Like a jobber. Yep. Gorilla gets all happy, though. Everyone is generally festive about this. Yeah, they're like, like the okay. crowd because the rocker's music is like peppy. Marty. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Davis talks to IRS. We get a bell to start. Meanwhile, Gorilla says that the face team would be better if Savage replaces Perfect. <laughs> Even Gorilla knows. He's like, nobody wants Mr. Perfect on pay-per-view. <laughs> I hate to break it to everyone, and, and we've gone over this on the pay-per-view reviews, but Mr. Perfect is so nothing on pay-per-view unless he's wrestling who Bret Hart who's better than who Shawn Michaels what? thank you what but the point but the point stands is that he never had a good match on pay-per-view other than the two matches with Bret Hart everything else is not very good I think yeah. the best thing besides that is that tag at Survivor Series 92 and even that is the Ric Flair show right put it like getting the heat and Bobby selling his razor Ramon can't do anything yeah he's just like a doofus in yeah. that match and Savage barely wrestles but the point remains Mr. Perfect sucks on pay-per-view generally yeah not on TV, though. He's yeah. Good He's TV okay matches and good house shows. Yeah. IRS immediately backs into a corner anyway to be a boring asshole here as Marty gets an Irwin chant going, so IRS talks to Danny Davis about it. Circle lock, a body slam by IRS. Nicely done. Then he adjusts his tie for fun. Acting all confident. It's annoying. He is a heel. Yeah. It's just working. The heel work is working. Yeah. Like, Again, it, like I tell you, though, it's not just the, like, I get the I heel work, the tie thing, fine. Yes. It's, it's like the way he wrestles just annoys it's the boring. shit out of me. No, I know. It's yeah, very it's boring. so annoying. Circle again is I can see the proud Fernwood banner yeah, that, on the wall. that banner's like there for like three years. They're, they always come back to this stupid place. Bush kill PA. I think, you is know what? Is this a casino or yes. something? Yeah. Looks like we're in the basement of it, though. Yeah. 
I'm going to make a guess. I don't know this, but this Fernwood, if it is, a, you said it's a casino, Fernwood. I, some I think shit it like says that. that on the sign. Is it in the Poconos? I bet you this is the Mohegan Sun now or something or whatever. Remember how one of those casinos moved into this area where gambling is legal in this one sector of Pennsylvania for some yeah. reason? I think it's still it's yeah. still um the Fernwood, I think. Yeah. It's in the Poconos. The Poconos. <laughs> it is in the Poconos. In the Poconos. Anyway. Nice hip toss by IRS as JR brings up how uh, IRS is fundamentally sound, which means that he's very dull in the ring. Like, Anytime they say that, that's, co- that's code for he sucks. Yeah, it's code for he's boring at yeah. least, right? Like, yeah. yeah, he can do moves. <laughs> anyway, it's so bad. A very crappy Marty chant starts up. This is some of the least inspired shit I've seen out of 93. I'm not kidding. The, the, the I, thought the they were, I thought they were chanting sorry. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding. Maybe they are. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Marty with right hands out body slam. Hip toss, nice standing drop kick by Marty. IRS bails out. We go to break. We're back where IRS has Gennetti in the chin lock on the mat. <sighs> Rest hold. Well, some things, I guess, never change even during the commercial break. <laughs> the announcers kill some time by talking about how IRS graduated for, with honors from the University of Syracuse. Only JR would bring that up. <laughs> of course. Yeah. The arm drops twice, but not three times. No one really cares. Uh, JR now plugs Radio WWF Alacto and Radio. It's every Saturday from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Release the tapes, damn it! <laughs> Please! Marty's backup is 14 people chant his name, or maybe sorry. Ball shot by IRS, and then the dreaded abdominal stretch. He goes right for the top rope. No fucking around to get that additional leverage in. <laughs> Gorilla. Well, he's gonna need it because he doesn't have this hole properly applied. Yeah, yeah, Gorilla, I think he's had enough of this match at this point. He starts yelling more. He's just so mad. <laughs> Fuck this. This sucks. And Jer- Remember when we were good? <laughs> Remember the company was good, Jim Ross? Yeah. Oh, a little additional leverage from the top row because, well, he's going to need it because he doesn't have this hole applied properly. Jer brings up Wilbur Snyder now. Gorilla <sighs> bitches more about how Erwin has his hold applied. Marty hip tosses out, but misses an elbow. Iris hammers away. Corner whip charge. Marty avoids. I whips Iris into the other turnbuckle. Erwin goes down back first. Janetti grabs him by the tongue. Irish whip fist to the gut. Running Neelof gets two. Irish whip again. Reversed by Erwin. Sunset flip by Marty. One, two. No. I'm saying this excitedly, but the crowd is not reacting. No, no one just cares. Like, just so you know. It's boring to watch, too. I was okay with it, yeah. but it, with the crowd being dead, it's like, yeah. So Iris breaks his suspenders and lands a snap suplex for two. Gorilla with this great line. He's like, oh, Iris is in trouble. His suspenders are broken. (laughs) That is a good one. Yeah. Irish whip reversed by Marty with the tie, a tie reversal. Spinning back elbow gets two. Irish whip again by Marty reverse. Drop down by IRS right off clothesline, which Dinetti uh, sells with the awesome free You always say that this is a finisher, it's and I, finisher. I don't believe you. When he started like, in 91, it was a Samoan drop. Yeah. And it was called the right off. Around 92 or 3, he shifted over to <laughs> the right off clothesline. That just makes him seem more boring and a jobber. He pulls like, it off well. It's only if he's fighting a guy like Marty Jannetty who's going to do the flippy flu. Hey, the kid. Like, you know what I mean. The kid did a good sell of it at SummerSlam. That's true. Anyway, that gets the win here for IRS. Yeah, with a clothesline. Yes. Are they serious? I'm telling you, this might be the best IRS singles match I've ever seen. The jobber victory. No <laughs> music, by yeah. the way. Yeah, you heard, you've heard of the jobber entrance. Yeah. IRS gets the jobber victory. It's always weird when IRS wins because there's no music. Yeah, it's just... It's, it's, it's just like, and the winner, IRS, and then he just strolls away, and you're just like... All sweaty. Who, what? Swims away. I feel like I just wasted my time. It's like a jobber one, you're yeah. right. Anyway, his tie's all fucked up, so Erwin actually says fuck it and takes off the other suspender, and we get the weird, like, no suspenders, just tie. Wow. Well, very rare look. Very odd. Anyway, back to Vince, who said that match had nothing to do with Survivor Series. <laughs> Why did we watch it? Hard-fought victory there by Irwin R. Scheister, ladies and gentlemen, which has nothing to do with Survivor Series. 
Joe, I couldn't believe he's, he just what was that line? very boisterously said it to like, as soon as we come back, that match had nothing to do with Survivor Series. <laughs> so what are you talking about? What the fuck? <laughs> because you see, Quinn, Survivor Series is not individual competition. Oh, that's why. <sighs> Bobby and Vince now blather on about Survivor Series teamwork. We get it. Yes. Two on one, three on four, whatever. We know Vince now says that Randy Savage is one of the superstars that you can vote for on the WWF Superstar of the Year. Didn't he wrestle like once at the Royal Rumble all year? How can he be the Superstar of the Year? <laughs> yeah, really. Vote for the guy who announced all year and his biggest feud was with Repo Man <laughs> on Raw. Like, but, he, seriously. but he might wrestle at Survivor Series and fix everything. Yeah, true. But anyway, you can call 1-900-454-4WWF to waste your parents' money. What a sham. Yep. To like, fucking seriously. See, here's the thing is they promote it as, oh, this is for the voting. Yeah. But then in the notes, it says, you know, $1.49 yeah. to start at 99 which means the before it, it's all like Lex Luger talking or something. And like, just in, finally, it ends after like 10 minutes to the, did they let you vote? <laughs> I'd like to wish a special Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Yeah. That's my face, Lex Luger It's like voice. wasting time he lists off everyone in his family. Like anything to like, extend the call my cousin molly yeah anyway vince now throws us allegedly he says to the home of Stu and helen hart on rio's roundup now we've never talked about rio so for <sighs> anyone that might not know i'm sure most people do he's bruce pritchard now you might know bruce pritchard he hosts a small little podcast yeah something to wrestle with it's it's much smaller than ours but we like to shout it out trying to bump can. it yeah they've been really um trying to get us on the ratings lately yeah. so we gotta be careful about hype true it, but, but we're trying to help out a friend you yeah. know shit is what your podcast is my friend but not me you see i'm the two-time two-time podcast of the year and nobody's ever heard of your shit so go fuck yourself and roll tide motherfucker Jerry Jarrett apparently love, loved Bruce Pritchard Dusty Rhodes impression. He it said, "Seems like it would come out of something like that." Yeah, so he convinced Vince to make it a character. Bruce says he didn't want to do it. It's not good. None of this is good. It's a horrible thing, and it was only around for like two weeks. And anyway, Real Rogers is here with Shawn Michaels, who is wearing a Ric Flair suit. By the, the way, fuck is this? They're out. <laughs> What the fuck is this? They're outside of Howard Finkel's house. That's who they use. Yeah, it's very clearly not the Hart house, no. even though they keep saying it. It's a it, good shape. Well, it's also not like just... It's not condemned. It's not like a three-story house on a hill that looks haunted. Yeah, it's... <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You know, sometimes at night I would hear the ghosts. Anyway, Sean says that he can see his breath here in the Calgary weather, but the Hart family can see it year-round. Haha. <laughs> By the way, Rio's voice is insufferable. It, it's, it's like, like an like, intentionally bad Dusty. It's so bad. We are here at the Hart family a few it, weeks. Too high pitched even for Dusty though. I've heard Bruce do a good Dusty. This yeah. is not a good Dusty. It's on purpose. I almost think the pitch is what he's doing to make it technically not Dusty. Yeah, I'm not kidding. I agree. Like, it's he's like, just making it higher. He sounds like Ooh, we are here outside the hot house. It's like you know? Michael Jackson like. I don't know any other way to describe it Michael than that. Jackson. It just it's like how Michael Jackson's voice is a higher pitched than than you know anyone. Yeah. <laughs> exactly it's like that so anyway rio just does his stupid rio shit as they knock on the door and then someone in an old lady mask answers the door what the shit is this terrible this is so bad this is really really bad holy yes. shit so we go inside we see a giant poster of bret hart taped on the wall <laughs> with a tiny tiny picture of owen next to it and then this fake helen here who is supposed to be Helen. She doesn't know who the little picture is. The fuck is this trash, Joe? <laughs> so fake Helen. This is terrible, by the way. None of this is good. Literally zero of it is good. I thought like it was like some weird bootleg segment. It felt oddly reminiscent because of the masks to the that Max in, Headroom incident. The Max Headroom incident. See, I yes. didn't even know you were going to say yes, that. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. 
and some dry clothing. Didn't it? It was like weird. kind of because well, of the latex mask, I guess, and, and also like the, the fact that real real Rogers is there, who is like only exists for like two weeks. And secondly, Shawn Michaels in a weird suit, but it's <laughs> Fat Edition, which again seems off. Right? All Everything, this is off. It, 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 it's almost like they should have filmed it sideways too, yeah. just and 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 put like a grainy filter on it. It's like very strange looking. The house is all messy. Everything about this looks off, and it's like almost scary. So fake Helen goes to get Stu. Who is wearing, I swear, a fucking George Washington mask or maybe a Thomas Jefferson was. <laughs> it is, was. Yes, it is it right? It is, it is. And Hitman Shades. And Vince, thankfully, is like, all right, I think we've seen enough. Stu, nice dog. Stu, how are you doing? How are you? All right, I think we've seen just about enough of this. Now, I didn't look on the two-hour version, but I have a sinking feeling that it's longer There's on that. more? There might be. I didn't look, but... It's so fucking stupid and not in a good way. Not Literally not funny at all. Not, not funny. Clever. More bizarre than yeah. funny. So anyway, promotional consideration is paid for by Cobra's being an asswipe. G.I. Joe! <laughs> yep. Electronic Talking Battleship, which I will always, always speak highly of. It was very good. I have Very good game, right? And mm-hmm. WWF Royal Rumble for SNES and Genesis featuring Mr. Perfect. All 1993 staples. That's right correct, here. Quinn. Back to Vince and Bobby to mercifully put this fucking show out of its misery. Vince reiterates that Survivor Series is tag team elimination. It's going to be good, damn it. Fucking order it. <laughs> anyway, Bobby gets a call off screen, runs off to answer. What are we doing here? Vince gets us out of here. Uh, this wasn't good, Quinn. This, no. was, this wasn't good. The Brett match was good besides yeah. the dopey editing, but... You know what I noticed? They didn't sweeten the crowd, which is very odd for this time period. I don't think they cared. They were like, "Who's even watching?" They this? didn't. Uh, yeah, normally they would sweeten the crowd on yeah. anything. Maybe that's why the crowd reactions felt so weird because they were this real felt thrown together because everyone's on Thanksgiving vacation. <laughs> the, even the editors and legal reasons yeah, too. Legal reasons. So I have a feeling, like I was saying earlier, that Gorilla and Jr. had to redo some of the commentary or all of it, which is why they mm-hmm. sound all grumpy and bored. Must have been like such a pain in the ass to produce this yeah. for some reason. Yeah, like because of all the king shit. All the king shit. I bet yeah. they had to redo all the commentary. Probably, like hastily, like put together. Well, I know for sure the real Roger shit was. Yeah, that was like a last minute. Like fuck, what do we do to make up for this? And they did mm-hmm. that, and it's bad. It was hideous. What did you think of the show? It had a solid match and a total piece of crap match surrounded by Survivor Series. Four. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty much. poor as far as these specials go, but it's 1993, so yeah, well, yeah. what are you going to do? I know. You want to just real quick, I'm going to tell you what else there was on the two-hour version. Doink the Clown pinned Bastion Booger. Lovely. IRS and Marty was next. Mm-hmm. Crush <laughs> defeated Virgil. Ugh. This sounds horrible, Joe. And then Brett versus Yoko, so... Ugh. With only two extra matches and a whole extra hour, I'm sure there's some longer real Rogers shit. Oh, God. Guys, we are sorry for doing this one. This yeah, was this a was, very this poor was, one. Uh, this, I hope this was entertaining. This, this sets this, the mood. This show sucked. This should set the mood perfectly for you, Quinn, for Survivor Series 93, which, if you uh, guys, if you want it, it'll be out next week. I'm already not looking forward to watching it. <laughs> but we do hope that you look forward to joining us again next week for another week in the world of retro wrestling. As always, for real, thank you so much for being with us here. Obviously, follow us on Twitter if you don't, at OVP Podcast. Join the group on Facebook. Leave us a review if you have Apple Podcasts, iTunes. We'd really appreciate that. And again, if you want the extra content, patreon.com slash OVP Podcast. But other than that, this is Joe Murata and Michael Quinn. We will see you next week for September. See ya.
We did the hard family home. Stu and Helen inside. Stu and Helen. I told them you was coming with oh, me. Oh, they love me. They they love come me. on, baby. Come on. Let's go in. They're going to be so excited. Hello, baby. It's real Rogers in the heartbreak. Kim. Hello. Oh, look at them. Helen. It's been a long time seeing you. Look, you look, you look beautiful. Oh my God! Oh, Miss Helen, you was looking all the way out, baby. Stop! 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 Stop!